Duncan and Buck come correct. Welcome everyone to our second episode of Duncan and Bo and the Pink Panther, uh, a tiny little division of Bunkin and Bunkin and Doe. Bunkin and Bo, Bunkin and Doe come correct. Bunkin and Doe sounds like Bunkin and Doe sounds like either the best place to buy a new mattress or where I want to go and get donuts. <laughs> oh man, I would love a Duncan and Bo right now. Um, yeah. a Bunkin and Doe. Um, and man i have been all right so speaking of i got tempted uh this isn't about donuts but it could be um all right <laughs> but i got tempted because uh i've been like my morning ritual is kind of like i have i have some fruit and i have a couple of slices of toast right with some jam nice. that's sort of my morning thing and this morning i had to go to the store and i was picking up some more bread because you know you need bread for toast that's basically the ingredient yep um <laughs> Along with heat. And <laughs> they had these packages of like the um, like cinnamon toast that you just throw in the toaster as well. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And I, I resisted that urge. Well done, you. But yeah, I know. But I was like, you know what? Next time, probably going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I resist that urge, but it's now occupying a place in my mind. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, I'm not like I'm not on a a, a diet per se. Yeah. I've just been eating a lot more reasonably. Yeah. And Which is a diet, bro. Like, like the so. diet yeah, right, is right. what you like, it's what you consume. Like, yeah. there's a healthy diet and an unhealthy diet. Yeah. So So yeah. I've yeah, I so I have been on a relatively healthy diet of late and yeah. um and which you know it it certainly has been paying off. I see all the dividends, yada yada yada. Um, but I'm also learning as part of this, right, is that you can sneak in. Oh those, God, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, those yeah. things, and it doesn't really it doesn't really blow anything up because the rest of your diet is so good that if you're just yeah. like son of a bitch, I'm gonna I'm gonna gorge on some banana pudding. Yeah, right it's now, only bad if fun. you're doing it. Like if you're having banana pudding every fucking day, right, that's right. when it's bad. If it's a day where you are like, you know what, it's 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 pizza and cinnabons today, um, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and then the rest of the month you're like, you know, it's like I'm I'm watching what I'm doing. I'm you know, all the rest. It doesn't make an impact. Yeah, it can really, you know, it it's not really, going to harm yeah, you in any way. It, right, like it, there's no, there's almost no bump at all when you do yeah. that because your body is just so attuned to like, oh, okay, here's some garbage. Let's process this real quick, get it out, and then we're yeah, on and with then our, we're back on the yeah, yeah, yeah. But like for the most part, it's like the fruit and toast in the morning, some baked chicken, mm, unsalted oh. vegetables. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Now you're talking my language. Yeah. And then whatever, you know, in the evening, it's either like I'll have a bowl of cereal left to my own devices. But if I'm over at my my lady friends, uh, she cooks for the kids. Yeah. Um. So it's all, you know, chicken nuggets. No, no, no. Um. Although the kids, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on with children and chicken nuggets, Duncan, but it's oh, a that, problem. My daughter, my daughter, my uh, eight-year-old daughter could completely subsist off nothing but chicken nuggets. She it's... fucking loves them. I don't get it, man. Like it is, uh, you know, like the the little girl because she's ten, so she's a little bit older. But same thing, yeah, where yeah. she just she loves chicken nuggets, and she's constantly like, "Would you like one?" And I'm like, "I appreciate that, but they're gross." <laughs> I you're a filthy, filthy child, and I don't know yeah. how you're eating this. <laughs> I'm not saying they ought to be eating the uh, the baked chicken and whatnot. Like I get it. My my food is more for fuel purposes than it yeah, is yeah. for flavor. Yeah. But oh my god, it's just chicken nuggets I don't think and chicken sweet nuggets sauce. have a flavor. 
that's the thing. They like, don't really have a like you like the, like what what like my I want chicken nuggets for dinner. So you give her chicken nuggets, and then she's like, "Where's the ketchup?" And I'm like, why do you need ketchup to dump my chicken nuggets? In? So you actually physically need to yeah. dip it in to get flavor. All right, awesome. The chicken so, nugget is just a medium by which you're transporting the flavor of a condiment. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a it's a fast food equivalent to a breadstick. Yeah, buffet, you know what I mean. It's just literally it. So yeah, well she uh she consumes the sweet and sour sauce. And that's the that's the thing for the for, and like yeah again you know it's uh, like that movie The Insider like you know cigarettes are just a delivery mechanism for nicotine yeah it's yeah, just yeah. chicken nuggets are a delivery mechanism for sweet and sour sauce yeah whatever condiment is your your uh, your flavor of choice yeah so, yeah yeah mm. um so how are you how you doing I'm well I'm well uh, we are. Uh, like hurtling towards the end of my summer series recordings yeah, yeah, yeah. um for for podcasts under the stairs which i'm kind of looking like every single time i do these i get to the uh, close to the end and i'm just like we need to make this go away <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we, need to, <laughs> we need to finish this off so i can relax um which which i'm close to i think i've got three left um and fab's doing one last night with someone you're recording with later today when uh, jamie g salmons um so it was liar we are not (laughs) recording today we're recording on tuesday she thought it was today so yeah we we, we were talking about i realized that i'm uh we were gonna (laughs) record and then i'm going to a play tonight and i had forgotten about that so that's that's good because she was like oh like both recording with both you and me and i was like well he can record with more than one person mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't have a monopoly on just one of us at a time this isn't like you know you get the kids on a friday and then you get to see your other family and i said i don't know what, where i was going with that but yeah it's, it's been okay it's been it's, it's been okay i am um, to be honest like out what summer series there ain't much happening uh it's been it's been relatively quiet, and we're finally getting some of the bigger movies that I would be interested in are finally making their way over to our shores. Mm. So, Nope has only just been released here this weekend for some reason. I still don't understand the logic behind that, but um, it's only just come out, so I have to catch up with that next week. And then I think we've got about another two weeks before Bodies, 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 the A24 number it comes out so even though it's been so i don't know why we've like all of a sudden we've reverted back to like it was like 2005 and (laughs) where movies are getting released like a couple of weeks apart to me makes zero sense but um yeah yeah so i've I've not really been to the cinema and saw anything or done anything of great interest except podcast lots and lots of podcasting yeah oh i get it i get it um you know school wrapped up and oh, nice. yeah 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 so i got my my 4.0 for my summer classes which was mm-hmm. no mean feat for the astronomy class that actually took a lot of effort <laughs> yes. and so now i'm in the doldrums between summer and fall classes which i'll i'll uh wrap up my bs this fall yeah and um so now i'm starting gre prep is the big thing ah, it's yeah, like yeah. Uh, i gotta I got to start getting ready for my graduates, uh, studies. And, um, yeah, so that, I mean, between that and like I was telling you, like I, I, now that I, now that Maya and I've been dating for a while and I'm kind of, you know, interacting with her kids a bunch. Yes. And and because of the age they are, I'm interacting with them a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. You you will be. And so just getting deep into that and like i it's weird because you know i've never i don't have kids of my own mm-hmm. 
most of my interactions with children have been uh, to pay them for doing car work because they have the tiny little fingers and yeah. uh, and can get into the hard to reach places. Um, so uh, we're interacting with children in a non child labor way has been different, um, but it's it's super fun. You know, like I've been having a great time. Um, you know, but also kind of getting used to the rhythms of a child because every now and again, one of them will just fucking blow up about something. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're like, yeah. where did this come from? <laughs> it's a frustration thing more than yeah. like kids can't manage. They very seldom are able to manage frustrations. Yeah. Um, and they bubble up in ways which just don't make sense. Like, and it can like, I, I the, my, my eight year old is really, for the most part very even tempered mm -hmm. so she's fine but the the baby who's about to turn one um is like she will be fine and like winter used to like when she was a baby like, it would grant it would gradually build up if she was getting angry about something or you know she would, a tantrum was coming or whatever you could see you could see the escalation mm -hmm. so you could try and implement something that would de-escalate uh salem is not like that at all she is like the happiest baby on the planet and then out of fucking nowhere, it is like, like the arms go, the legs, and just like on a like. But we we seldom. It's the same. We we call it the witching hour in this house, which is about an hour before bedtime, where she's tired, and we have to keep her up that extra hour so we can get that extra hour the following day. And just that hour is like hell on earth, uh, and we feel we feel like a like a wrestling tag team, like mm -hmm. having to deal with it. We're like right tag you're in like you need to like sit with her and do something until the novelty wears off on you and then we'll pass her back and then the novelty will be with a different parent and then she's like all happy again for like that five minutes or and it's just that way until she's in bed so yeah and uh, there's no there's no rhyme rhythm or reason to it you just have to kind of entertain it yeah. and that's the ride it out basically and and maya god bless her um you, you know, she adopted these children and they, and so they came from like really rough circumstances. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so in a lot of ways, even though they're older kids, they're having to kind of relearn all of those emotional development milestones. Yep. And, and, and so a lot of times they'll, the way that they act out will be the behavior of like, you know, a two or three or four year old, because they're yeah. just reprocessing all that stuff. You know, they just, they weren't, weren't given the kind of environment where they could deal with all that stuff in a healthy way. Yeah. At the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, like I said, especially the, the, the older boy occasionally will just lose his shit about yeah. something. And, you know, you just have to kind of let it go and just be like, all right, man, do your thing, throw your tantrum when you're yeah. done, we'll be here. You know? Yeah, and that's it. They're like, I think once it's out of the system, it's like I, I it's funny because I've got I've got an older brother and a younger brother. Uh, my older brother has he like well did have a extremely volatile temper, like just like small things. He's also got incredibly high blood pressure, which yeah. is probably a symptom of that. Um, but yeah, he used to fly off the handle at the smallest things. My my younger brother, um, kind of the same actually a little bit. And me, I would just, I would, I would go to my room and put on some like extremely heavy music and just sit and stew, mm -hmm. <laughs> basically. And that was my way of dealing with things. Everyone deals with like everything differently. Yeah. Um, and that's why, like, it's funny because you like, 
I now, like, being a parent myself, I now have a completely different appreciation for, like, my mum was a single parent. Um, like, a completely different appreciation for, like, she had to she had to basically deal with three completely different personalities and mm-hmm. some sort of uniform way. And that, to me, just, like, you just can't. So how she did it, I don't know. Um, it's, yeah, it's, so, it, it's crazy. Like, Maya's been doing it uh, solo for a while, and... Yeah. I, you know, I, like every now and again when I'm leaving, I'm like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Because yeah. they've been a real handful tonight. She's like, it's not, this is just how it is. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. And I'm like, you, you are a saint. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But, you know, for, for, for all the complaining about the, the volatility and, and that kind of thing, which, which does happen, um, as you know, and I am learning, it, like there are just moments where they do something that's just the absolute like sweetest or cutest oh, thing. Oh yeah. And you're like, oh my yeah. god, kid, you're breaking my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's that's the and one of those moments, uh, you know, in currency value, like nulls a hundred of the bad moments. Yeah. Like yeah. easily. Like wipes them away. Um and that's that's the cool thing about it. So yeah. yeah. It's 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 been a, a strange time. Speaking of strange times, Duncan. Strange things. Yes. Uh, let's talk about some stuff we've been watching, good and bad. You have anything in the in the pipe? Because uh, I'll go. Yeah, ahead, I, go ahead. Though. Yeah, the good the, on the, the good side. So once again, I've I've been continuing this kind of shudder and go thing that I'm doing at the mm-hmm. moment, where I basically it's an excuse for me to use my shudder membership. Uh huh. Um, and this week I checked out Moloch. Um, oh, brand- ha- that's good, huh? Yeah, that's real good. That's real good. That was surprisingly good. And the thing about it is, it doesn't necessarily do anything new. It's not bringing anything new to the table. But what I appreciated about it is, it well, for, first it's like, like it's a Dutch movie, um, and like the the Dutch <laughs> the Dutch used to be um, like like back in the twenties and thirties, very prominent for for horror movies like um, Dreyer. This from the other guy that did sure, yeah, the, yeah. the vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a pedigree. They ju- they just don't do a lot of them now. So I was I was like incredibly curious to see how this one was going to actually play out because the the cover art for it just made me think the void, and I was like, oh no, I don't want to go through this again. Yeah, and it's yeah. not like that at all. It's actually it's probably more akin to something like a hereditary than it is necessarily a. The Void, it's a kind of folk, it's, it's folk horror, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of folk tale about a small town, and the small town is like, uh, it sits on the boundary of a peat bog, and um, there's some archaeologists there who are digging up this bog, and they discover bodies preserved, because that's what peat does, it preserves bodies, um, and uh, makes amazing whiskey. <laughs> Which is like so. So whiskey is basically soil and green. Yeah. You're drinking people. Um, uh, shout out to so, Ashen Tashin. Yeah, <laughs> always. Uh, but yeah, so you get this. Uh, they, they find these bodies, and as soon as they start digging up these bodies, weird things start happening to this one specific family. And then you find that the town has this folk tale uh, and celebration that they have about uh, a woman who. Was it looks like she was being tried for being a witch, and uh, she makes a kind of fausty impact with a demon called Moloch, um, and her banishing of Moloch is what the festival's for. 
turns out maybe she didn't banish Moloch, and that's all I'm going to say. Um, it's really, really, really good. It's, it's very, it's very well acted. It's incredibly well paced. The score is great, and I, 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 I love the ending. I thought the ending was the right sort of the right sort of ending for the movie. So overall, it's a split language as well. So there's English cast in there. So it's part Dutch, part English in terms of... So you get a bit of subtitles for those that aren't keen on home movies of of, of kind of subtitle content. There's a bit of that in there. And then there's a, a huge swath of it that's in English as well. So I, I would highly recommend it. I think it's one of the better things I've seen on Shudder this year. Yeah, I, I've been kind of dancing around that one. And... Yeah. It's the poster. Um, the poster yeah. is like, I was like, it did it. it in, instantly made me think the void. And I was like, that. I don't want to, like, no offense to the people that love the void. It's just a movie that, like, ought to be a lot better than it actually is. And shouldn't remind me of movies that are infinitely better. So, yeah. And I've been kind of, you know, like, we've talked about this in the past, but Shudder is real hit and miss with their original content yes 100 and, and i've had a couple recently that burned me a little bit and i was like oh, i'm just not sure if i'm i'm ready to be disappointed <laughs> by another shutter exclusive <laughs> but yeah i get that i get that well, it really it, it's like really it really is hit and miss yeah like, that, that's the thing like the stuff that i love on that I'm like, this is just a great movie. Yeah. I'm like, this is so interesting. The stuff I dislike, I'm just like, why is this on this platform? Like, what, like, well, why are we even giving this a forum? Um, yeah. it, it can be that that level of extremity. And, and well, in here recently, there was the one that was about the the stripper and the Bible thumping girl that were stuck in the apocalypse, and that was a show. Oh, I've not seen that yet. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like, I get that. I mean, it's okay. Yeah, but it's not great. And then there was another one that that kind of fell into that same category of like this is fine, but yeah. there's nothing exceptional about this. And I'll totally like as evidenced by the fact that I can't remember the name of that one. Like I will not remember this six months from now. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you know how it is, man. You just see so many horror movies that it takes a movie like you know we're all going to the World's Fair or something like that, where you're yeah. like, oh wow, that was really different and unusual, and it hit me and uh and and that sort of thing so yeah um or it's a big tentpole like nope where you're like well everybody's just kind of talking about this movie yeah, yeah um yeah. but yeah so uh I'm, I'm trying to think maybe the last exclusive that i really dug maybe the spine of night i've still watched that as well um or, no, that, yeah. uh, phil tippett's mad god was probably the last one where i was like oh it's, it's i've never yeah, it's, it's on my th- 30 days of Halloween, is, uh, or 30 days of October, it's on my list to see then, yeah. and everyone's been asking me, have I seen it yet? Which gets me excited, even if it, even if it's something I don't like, I'm excited because everyone's talking about it, if you know what yeah. I mean, so I, there's there's that element, but they're about to, like, they've just launched their list, was it 61 days yeah. of, of horror, and uh, the New Argento is going to be out on that, so... There you go, like it was smack dab in the middle of October. They're releasing Dark Glasses by Argento, so I, I mean, I'm like that's almost like if you're me, um, that almost justifies the Shudder subscription for the entire year. So uh, even though I've heard mixed reviews, I'm like that. Give me it. Like I, I want to see what old man Argento, about a decade on from his Dracula movie, is doing. Like I, I, I want to see that. Um, so yeah, have you seen Vortex yet? I have not. Oh, uh, that I might know. be my movie of the year, dude. Really? Honestly, yeah, it's not a horror movie. Just got straight. I'm <sighs> like in my movie of the year. Um, it's 
it's crazy good. It's, it's crazy fucking good. It's going to be tough for me to unsee everything everywhere all at once because I really fell in love with that movie. It's, it's an, like, I love that. I yeah. absolutely love that. But I think, like, how to describe this? You know what you're getting with Gaspar Noe, right? Yeah, you yeah. know what you're getting. And then you walk into that movie and it's everything that you it's all the it's all the drive it's all the artistic flourishes is the art house cinema of gaspar noy but it's tackling this really subdued really emotional really personal look at age and dementia and death and you watch that and you're just like holy fucking shit right. this guy can do that i swear to God, gaspar noy can do absolutely anything nothing gave me more joy than walking out that movie and thinking to myself for every person that said, well, he's a one-trick pony, he can only do, like, cerebral, like, mm-hmm. like flashy lights and weird like that, that to me is a movie that just blew my socks off. I, I know you will love it. I know you'll love it. And I've said to anyone that will listen, I want that, just set your, set your expectations for the movie I am about to watch is going to make me so, so crushingly sad by the end of it. And it's going to do it without fucking any effort. And Argento is amazing in it. I'm like that. Why is he just make him act? Even if he can't direct anymore. Just give him every role. Old man. That's old man now goes to Argento. Right? That's what he is in every every film. So yeah, you're gonna you're you're gonna love it, boy. All right, all right. I will I will put that on the list. I'll I'll tell you, here's my good speaking of streaming stuff. Ooh. And I talked about this somewhere else, but uh if you haven't seen it yet, definitely check out Prey. Which is on? I have seen it. Yeah, yeah. We saw it last weekend. Yeah, we saw it last weekend. Um, I was recently. I got invited on another show where there seemed to be some back and forth about like fucking internet. I hate the internet. Yeah. Um, about the movie in general, and you know about how it's overblown and overhyped, and I'm like, is it overhyped? It went to Hulu. Think, it's not a like a big theater yeah, but release. It's like and... it's on all the like yeah. It's, it's just, everyone's talking about it like that. Is that over? Here's my point: Is it overhyping that you yourself set your expectations by how other people feel about a movie? Yeah. No. I, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah this but is that. This. But it, no. There's a difference between this. Is my point. Like I get mm. told this all the time. You over. You overhyped this movie for me. I never overhype a movie. I tell you what I think in the movie. If yeah. I tell you, like I just said right. with Vortex, the conversation we just had about Vortex, you could easily come back at the end of that and said you overhyped that movie me. Why? Because I said, Boran's though, you will love that movie. Yeah. That is me telling you something. Me saying, I love this movie, and then you watching it going, that, well, it's not, it's not very good. Well, you overhyped it. No, I didn't. I said, I love this movie. There's a difference. I think people assume that when someone enjoys something and posts it on the internet, what they are saying is everyone has to agree with my assessment as opposed to, you know, I actually enjoy a movie. But that, that's, yeah. that is, I think that's where we're at at the moment, which is why it gets a lot of traction online. Of course it gets a lot of traction online. It's a fucking Predator movie. Right. And the last one stunk. The, the last one was not great. Yeah, the and the pre- one before that was not great. I... I'm a little bit of a defender Which one are we of talking Predators. About here? The, the Adrian Brody. Uh, I, I was fine with it until the... I, I was fine with it for the most part, yeah. but I just it felt too much like, uh, well, we can't really do the first one again, so we'll just take it to an alien planet. And I was yeah. like, well, you can do the first one again. Just do the first one again. Yeah. Which is, interestingly enough, 
kind of what they did with Prey. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's I, not a difficult formula. To, that's why the second one is so much fun. The yeah. second one is so much fun as well. That will replace the jungle with the concrete jungle. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. Like that's all you. And now they're like that. Oh, give us a, a predators versus samurai. Give us predators versus like they're listing all these historical time periods. And I'm like, yes. Someone has sat down and realized that predator movies are essentially Friday the Thirteenth movies. Yeah, it's that's a slasher it film. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all it is. That's all you need to do. Like, keep the core the same. Yes, change the scenario, change the time period, because you can do it in this fashion. You're actually afforded that opportunity, which is kind of fucking awesome. Um, that's how you do it. The reason Jason X works so well, right, and it does. is because they were like that. We'll just we'll just freeze Jason and thaw him out in the future and look at him go. And I'm like, yes, that works. Yeah. What? Why? Because it's still a Friday the 13th movie. I just don't get it, man. I just don't. Honest, as, as how fucking hard is this to do bull and this day and age you know to to your point about you know being overhyped for something yeah that is someone absolving themselves of the responsibility of critical thinking uh, of saying yes. i don't want to i don't want to run this through the, the the filter of how do i feel about this yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. told me it was good and then it didn't like it as much as as you did and therefore you overhyped it that's kind of a bullshit statement um yeah. in my in my still, opinion yeah. And but, mine as well, Bo. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, uh, like, I get excited for weird stuff. Like, you know, some people get super excited when they hear there's going to be another Fast and the Furious movie or this Top yeah. Gun Maverick movie, which I still haven't seen. I'm like, the neither one, have I. One of the give yeah, less of a fuck about. It. And I don't care yeah. if it's the highest grossing Tom Cruise. I'm sure it's. I'm sure if you're into it, it's amazing. Right. And it's, like, I am. I am happy. But it's the same way I feel about Marvel movies. Like, I'm happy that people go out and spend their money on those things and walk away thinking that, like, a, like an Endgame is the best movie they saw that year, mm-hmm. maybe the best of the decade. That's great. I love the fact that you, you think that. There is, like, nothing to make me hyped up to go and see a movie like that because it's not aimed at me. Yeah. I'm like, it's not... I am not the... Co- I, me, here... I'm not the demographic it's aiming for. I, I have no interest in that, like that subject matter at all. So, like, I, which has been proved by the fact that I like all the ones that don't perform well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the ones that are, I'm like, I really like this one because it doesn't tie into some massive overarching thing. And it's the same with like uh, when I watched when I watched Prey. The thing that came out for me was. I just liked the idea that someone. And the thing is, to be fair, I had seen. There's a like like years it was 2014 2015. There was a fan film that was financed where the Predator squared off against because it was done by a someone in the UK, and I got a screener of it at the time, and it was to basically like greenlight a film, and it was Predator versus like a knight or like a knight of the old guard, mm-hmm. like a crusader sort of thing, and it was really well done. And I was like, that, that's really cool. It'd be interesting to see if they did that in a different time period. And then nothing ever happened from that. And now we fast forward and they're, they're kind of doing it on, on the level that they are with a specific uh, Native American tribe. Um, and I like that to me, I was like, cool. I wonder how we're going to, like, the first thing I thought about is I wonder how we get around the high tech stuff. And the movie never really addresses it, but at no point was that an issue for me. Yeah, it... You know, the Predator had his Predator gear. Yeah. And, you know, the here's what I liked about Prey is it's very simple. Yeah. It, 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 while it tells a very straightforward story of 
here's this young woman who is trying to prove herself to her tribe. Initially, she fails at that. And so the, yep. the movie is her overcoming that fear or reticence to be the hunter she believes herself to be and, mm -hmm. and becoming that person. You know, it's a real hero's journey kind of thing. Super simple, but it totally works. The character is interesting. Um, the, you know, the hatchet on the rope that she's got is real cool. Yeah. You know, like there, there's enough about the character that I really, really dug. And I liked her journey. I liked her relationship with, I think it's her brother or just the, the other yeah, guy. Yeah, it's her brother, yeah. And, and I think that's a real interesting relationship of he's not a bad guy or anything. He just wants to, you know, protect her and, mm -hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's an interesting backdrop of, of these French furriers and traders and yeah. the slaughter of the buffalo. And, and through the whole movie, there is, you know, one shot in or yeah, one shot in particular where you see a series of animals higher on the food chain yeah. killing each other. It's like, OK, well, that's the theme of this movie is that, you know, the, the strong will prey on the weak, that there is an order mm -hmm. to all of this. And, you know, with the slaughter of the buffalo, you start to see that, oh, like. Ultimately, the the Native American tribe they are the prey, you know, of of the uh, the Western Europeans moving into uh, the New World, all mm. of that stuff. So all of that works. And then on top of that, on on top of a movie that I already find kind of interesting in terms of its its themes and what it's trying to say, then you lay over this predator stuff, which mm -hmm. I think the way that you know, spoilers, the predator is defeated in this movie. But the way that the Predator defe is defeated comes out of the character. Of, yes. like, here's the character's experiences. And she says at one point in the, in the film to her brother, like, the thing I'm good at is figuring things out. Like, I understand tracking and making connections between things. And so when she, you know, uses some of the Predator's tools in a way, it's like, she doesn't understand the science of it, but she understands... No. This means she's setting this. a trap, though. Yeah. yeah, she's setting a she's setting a trap. I don't, I don't, I don't have to understand physics to set a trap. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you don't have to understand like like the, you to be effective in doing something. You don't have to. And I like that aspect as well. I also like the the the, the fact that there is a kind of like there, on some level is the idea of these different time periods being acclimated to certain styles of predator. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which I, I really enjoyed as well. And that would make sense. Like you don't want the, you don't want the hunt to be too easy. Then there's no fucking point. Um, it kind of has to be in line with that. So yes, he does have, does have high tech weaponry compared to what they're using. But instead of the, the like lasers that it has in these things, it fires arrows, essentially yeah. bolts, which is somewhat, yes, it's got laser guided targets, but it's not an actual laser gun. Um, and those sort of things where I was like, right, cool. Like once we've kind of brought it to a certain level where, yes, he has the advantage, but he doesn't have like, you know, the advantage. Um, and it seems to be like, like I said before, there's a whole swath of the internet that just like, you you have any empowered female in a movie now and it's, it's the worst fucking thing. Right. Where apparently, my favourite thing is like, we're, we're pandering to wokeness. And I'm like, you literally just did not live through the, the 70s and 80s where there was just like every every like survivor in any situation like the like was worth a fuck was a woman right um, she's a final girl i mean that's been around for decades what yeah it's, i just it blows my mind i was uh, thinking like you like, like i'm still like you know she's no like because people retcon things weirdly like i saw like a discussion thread where they were talking about how 
like Ripley's a badass, and Ripley is a badass, mm-hmm. but Ripley in the first movie is a science officer. Yeah. You know, she, she, yeah, she she's just the, numbers. Right, she's the <laughs> stick in the mud that wants to do everything by the book until yeah. until she's like, oh, we got to blow this whole place up. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, like, yeah, she becomes a badass by being forced into be a badass in the second movie. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Or like, uh, like Sarah Connor, like mm-hmm. Sarah Connor, like it, it, she's a, is she not like a waitress or something in Terminator? Yeah, absolutely. She is. Yes, absolutely a waitress who becomes tough through the course of the film and and this movie even goes so far as to like when you start with this character yeah she is a proven tracker she like she knows her shit yes she just has to overcome this thing inside her and, yes. and like <laughs> i don't know how She's the most believable right. of every like, if i was yeah. like science officer tracker hunter waitress yeah who's going to defeat this alien thing i'll be like that the tracker hunter yeah like yeah. I, I just don't get others it's That's, so yeah so toxic now it is unbelievably toxic that and there's like i think everyone just thinks movies are if it's like movies are made we joke about it oh this movie feels like it's been made by committee when we're talking about box ticking it ticking exercises about how scares are introduced in a movie mm-hmm. you know Oh, like, so there's a jump scare here. Well, well, that's someone saying, right, we need a jump scare. Um, and the same way the albums are written, right? Where's your single? Yeah. Of, well, we haven't, well, you need a single. We need to chop that song down. We need to do all this. It's the same idea. But when it comes to, we need to make our, we need to make our hero a, a woman. I don't know how, like, how that all of a sudden becomes, like, wokeness. Right. You've got, like, every other movie, it's a guy. Right. So, I mean, what... We've had our shot. <laughs> we have there's a there is a, a proven track record of us having our shot like that. Why not? Right, that, made, that's made just the story much more interesting. It made it a hundred times more interesting than like oh like the 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 brother. See if the brother had been the main character. What makes it different from any other Predator movie I've seen? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. That to me, that is somebody just trying to have a take on the movie that is <sighs> controversial or something. Because the yeah. movie, uh, on its own, like you said, go back to Alien or Aliens, like from the seventies and eighties, and it's a lead female that is yeah. has to become empowered through the course of the film. There's 100%. a rich tradition of that in fiction and. Every yeah. Disney movie ever made, et cetera, et cetera. I know. And, it's just so, uh, it's so fuck. It's so garbage. bizarre. And this is where we are now. And it is like, it's just depressing. And like, it, like, it, it's like, it's the same way where someone posts something they've enjoyed. And it's like, people are climbing over themselves to be the first person to tell them that they didn't like it. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, why are we like, why are we here? The internet was supposed to unite us all, Bo, and give us the gift of tits at the touch of an enter key, right? Like that's what it's supposed to be there for, and it has been warped and used for people to express opinions, which I don't want. Yeah, it, well, it, it's a technology that our dumb primate brains just were not prepared for, and yeah, yeah it, it there there are plenty of great things that the internet has brought us. Uh, but also it, it gives, it gives too many people who have too much time and too little self-reflection, Yeah, you know, a, a platform to air their grievances. But speaking of airing grievances, Duncan, what was your Aaron bad Gre- who, who Who's airing grievances? Uh, we, we are 
this time. So what? All right. So so what's your bad movie? We talked about the good stuff, and I I think both of us would agree. Like if you haven't seen Pray, see Pray. It's it's yeah. really cool. So I I uh, my my bad isn't a terrible movie. It's probably the best of the three in the franchise. But that's that's like basically saying this shit isn't as bad as the shit it's beside. Um, so I got I got an invite on another podcast, and uh, they were spending their summer going through the Conjuring movies, Bob. Um, the Conjuring movies, and I they when they asked me what one I wanted to do, I said I wanted to do three. Three is my favorite. Um, which I think was misinterpreted as Duncan loves the third movie, mm-hmm. which was again miscommunication there. Duncan doesn't love the third movie, but the third movie is fun. Like the third movie is the kind of movie that I want from the Conjure and stuff, where it's like, yes, it's based on something that happened for all of five minutes of the movie, and then uh-huh. then the next nine, like ninety percent of that movie is just pure fabricated Hollywood bullshit, like unapologetic, you know, unapologetically. Um, you know, just absolute tosh and bullshit. Uh, and it's, it's like super entertaining tosh and bullshit. Uh, and that's just, that's the stuff that like make, like it's the, the idea of them being like, almost like doing like a deep dive murder investigation, like they're fucking Columbo mm-hmm. uh, and all that supernatural shit going around. And I'm like that. That's the sort of movie I want from The Conjuring. Like I hate the Wardens, right? So give me, I'd like, give me the Wardens as like private investigators trying to, you know, get to the bottom of supernatural deaths that are happening, I can watch that movie. Give me all that, like, like if only you believe in God and like all that shit can, like, get, like, get in the bin. Um, so, yeah, like, it, it forced me, because I went through all three of them, like, in order to, I was like that. I'm going to I'm gonna make sure I, I've got my, my opinions are locked in on this one. And I went back to the Conjurer movie, which I stand by as a perfectly bland movie mm-hmm. um it just reminds me of all the other movies that is ripping off uh like 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 blatantly ripping off mm-hmm. and then that second movie which apparently like everyone's right re- well, that second movie is now like held in some high regard which doesn't make any sense um that yeah. second movie is utter shit right and I, I think what the the thing that kept coming up in the conversation was um and it was a great conversation i love being on on the show um but what they were basically saying is that they have no history with the subject matter. So the Enfield horror or haunting in the UK is something that's really, if you follow any sort of paranormal interests or circumstances, it's very well known. It's basically mm-hmm. the, the most well-known haunting in the UK. And the Wardens had fuck all to do with it. Like mm-hmm. absolutely nothing to do with it. They were here less than half a day for a photo op. And that was it. But this movie, they're playing Elvis songs, cuddling the kids before they go to bed. You know, like like teaching them how to make s'mores. And like I, I all think, this. Yeah, I think uh, Patrick Wilson teaches one of them to drive. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> here's how you drive a stick shift. Put on some yeah. Elvis. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of them one of them gives away one of them at a wedding. You know, like <laughs> it's like it's it's so much fucking nonsense yeah but what what the the thing that offends me about the movie and i would say the word offends me is that like the events there are very well documented yeah yeah, yeah. and so they play them off as all the kind of eureka moments were discovered by the wardens when that is just purely not the case yeah it's basically two dudes right was the the two two uh uh, one original researcher and then another one who kind of jumped on board later. Uh, yeah, yeah that, that that's it. Yeah. yeah. And they're not really in that movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, they're like su- such like background, almost observers. 
And that to me is just that's where the, a movie like that just pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Um, like really. So it's, it's and, and then the CGI and just all the fucking like. Bleh. But then I watched the third one, and like I say, the third one is not it's not a good movie. It's like like a solid three, maybe three and a half out of five for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fun. It is so much fun. Like, there are so many sequences in that that just, like, there's a scene in the morgue with a body that gets reanimated when she finds, like, she, like, holds a body and then, like, uses that as a conduit to basically face-to-face meet the the witch that's behind all this kind of stuff. And then when she's chatting to her, like, there's a kind of, like, she's got all the power, basically, and then there's this realisation that where the witch is like that, if you can make the connection this way, can I make the connection the other way? And then she reanimates this big Hulk and like fucking zombie corpse. And I'm like, this stuff, all that stuff, pure fucking entertainment. Like the fact that the end of this movie, spoiler alert, the fact that the end of this movie, there's a priest that's murdered by the daughter and the wardens are there with fingerprints over everything. And then the wardens are then in the room battling the witch who then gets folded up like an accordion, like left like pretzeled. Like by this demon who breaks snaps all the fucking bones and leaves her in a crumpled heap. And they walk out and the police arrive and they're not arrested. Right. When the movie, when the movie itself is predicated on this is the best thing, is predicated on a guy standing trial for murder saying a demon did it. Yeah, yeah. And their defense would be A demon did it. Yeah. And they're not on trial. Yeah. I'm like, it's just, this is, it's just fucking nonsense. It's absolute nonsense, but it's entertaining nonsense. And that's all I, that's all I want from a Conjuring movie. It's why my, my, I get shot for this. Why my favorite Insidious movie is the second one, because it's the one that is a hundred percent nonsense. It's like that. Like, yeah. Like we don't know what we're doing here. So it's all pantomime and the, you know, and the, the further, that to me is entertaining because I cannot possibly take it seriously. Those first two movies pass them off as serious movies. And as a result of that, they just don't work for me, Bo. They just don't work for me. So that's my bad. It's not a good movie. It's an entertainment movie. I never got through Devil Made Me Do It. I I watched about a third of it and i was like yeah. oh this is not for me maybe yeah. maybe i need to rewatch it just through the prism of this is going to be pure schlock and i might yeah. enjoy it more remove the bookend yeah. i think that's the thing like it's either well, i think when i watched it, i just assumed i was getting a kind of exorcism of emily rose sort of movie mm-hmm. so like a court procedural which you don't like literally that the guy who the story is based on is like He's in the movie for less than five minutes. Like he's really, really is not the story. Um, although he is clearly the fucking story, but there's not enough to make a feature length one hour and 45 minute movie out of that. Yeah. So we just create a whole story, which did not happen, does not exist. And it's that stuff is, that's the entertaining shit. Like, just, like the entertaining shit is that, um, it's not the the trial or anything because this movie doesn't give a fuck about that. So once right. you remove that bookend, it is a surprisingly fun kind of supernatural murder mystery. Um, but it's not. Once again, what I stress? I don't think it's a good movie. It's an entertaining movie. Like if I was given a technical sure. grade, it would suffer in the technical grade right. from all the plot holes and all the various shit that doesn't work. But on entertainment value. You know, it passes the time fine. Yeah, that's how I feel about Day of the Animals. This is not a good movie, yeah. but I kind of love it. Um, yeah, yeah, 
What about you? What's your bad, buddy? All right. So see above re dealing with children lately. <laughs> oh dear. And so I just have to get this off my chest. This is an exorcism more than it is a movie <laughs> review. Um, so I like going to the movies. I just, I, I just love the process of it. I love getting the tickets. I love anticipating. I love the previews before the movie, all that stuff. I just love going to the movies. Yeah. Um, you know, buying popcorn and candy and all that, that fun shit. So, um, recently, uh, what, what did we go see? We saw the Thor movie with the kids oh, yeah. and, yeah. and that was, and it, it, like, I had a good time with the movie and all that stuff. And, and the kids had a good enough time, but, um, I was like, look, I want to go see a movie. I don't really care what it is. Cause I had gone to see Nope by myself not yep. long before. And I was like, so let, let's let the kids pick and I'll just take, it'll be me and, and the boy. We'll go see a movie together. And I don't care what it is. He can pick whatever he wants. This kid, Duncan, picks <laughs> Minions, The Rise of Gru. <laughs> oh, my wife, my wife took my daughter to it and she fucking hated it. So, <laughs> Oh my God, Duncan. <laughs> It is such a wash of just nonsense. And like, I, I was happy to be there because I enjoyed the time that I spent with him. Yeah. I enjoyed going to the movies. Like I said, I love that process. And there was even a, a trailer for a movie ahead of it that I was like, oh, okay, well, when this come out, comes out, we can take the kids to this. And it doesn't seem like it would be a nightmare. Yeah. Unlike Minions, The Rise of Gru, which let me just say off the bat, I don't have a deep background with the despicable despicable me or the minions movies i've yeah. seen the first despicable me movie and that was plenty mm-hmm. and so there are all these inside jokes about the other movies apparently because <laughs> because periodically the boy would lean over and be like oh that's from this movie mm-hmm. and i was like okay fine i I just can't possibly begin to care about anything that's happening in this film. I don't like the way that the minions talk. I don't like the way they look. I don't mm-hmm. like the way that they, they're constantly pulling down their pants and showing their butts off to the world. Um, it is, and it's such a waste of talent too, because it's like Alan Arkin yeah. and Taraji P Henson and, you know, like another uh, uh, Russell brand and just a bunch of different, voice actors for this movie that are like man these are all great performers to one degree or mm-hmm. another you know there are people that i've enjoyed in the past and other things and it's just awful it is <laughs> it's just unbearable it's such a stupid story and just from a script construction point of view duck i know this doesn't matter to children they just like all the flashing yeah. lights and minions dancing around showing each other their asses this is written this is written and directed by adults right but that's the thing is that how on earth do you just not like you don't care to make a good movie like for the pixar movies for all their faults are written and and directed by adults and there are the stories are good enough that as an adult you can watch it be like okay maybe i don't really care that much about watching a movie about animated fish but there is a deeper story at work about you know, parenting and fatherhood and, yeah. you know, being able to let your child go and all that stuff that I can, if not relate to it, I can certainly appreciate it. And that there is some yeah. thought being given. There's no lesson to be learned from Minions, the rise of Groove. There's no, I think that's the thing though. I think like a Pixar movie, 
is weirdly like the the people that make Pixar movies are fully aware that adults will be in the room when that movie's playing. So we might as well do something that can, you know, bridge the gap and add themes that adults might find interesting and or heartwarming. And a movie like Minions, even back to Despicable Me, is written purely for kids and the adults that write those movies for those kids just think kids have the lowest denomination of a brain. Mm Mm-hmm. For everything it's like it's fart jokes and ass cracks and you know bad pranks and terrible singing and weird squeaky noises and that's what entertains a kid yeah. for an hour and a half and yeah. there's just there's no emotional hook to any of it i mean nah. I, again i'm just i i'm putting it against the standard of like disney and pixar yeah. That at least are trying to, you know, like Disney's trying but to make these... those movies make a lot of money. Yeah. So if I'm making my own, like, like cartoon for kids or whatever, I would be sitting there going, well, Disney makes a lot of money doing this, so maybe we should try and copy the formula. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? That's 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 got a proof track record. But so that but maybe... those Minions movies make all the money. Both, right. So. Rise of Gru is like one of the top you know box office films of the year top grossing yeah. films of the year which is why they keep getting made like that yeah like from from a studio's point of view if it ain't broke both <laughs> like, like i know i uh, man i we got back and because there was a world in which i was gonna go with the boy and his grandfather yeah, yeah. who is and his grandfather is a very not very a, a traditional minded jordanian gentleman who used to work oh, right. for the imf yeah, yeah, yeah right like a very smart capable person and i told him <laughs> up front i was like billet. <laughs> i was like you don't have to do this to yourself like all you know you're a 70 year old man there is no reason to waste what life god has loved for you in a theater watching this minions movie did I ever tell you the story about my like, my my, uh, my granddad? Bless him, God bless yeah. his soul. Uh, <laughs> my my granddad, he's the guy that he's the guy that really fostered my love of horror uh-huh. uh, and like and films and 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 like books in general. Um, the guy was like literally my hero. Um, and I, like I used to, I, I used to watch like MTV and stuff like that back when I'm quite a bit younger. And um, the Men in Black. Music video, remember the song with mm-hmm. Will Smith, Here Men in comes Black? The man in black. Yeah. yeah, well, that had come out because the movie was coming out, and uh, there's an alien that well, the alien dances and does the singing and all the rest in the middle of it. And my granddad had never seen anything like this before, so this is a this is amazing. And um, he he took my my grandmother to the cinema first time they'd been in about 25 years. Oh, wow, to go and see the Men in Black movie. And I remember asking. <laughs> That was like, how'd you get another movie? And he was like, oh, it's a load of shit. And like, he, just, he was just so angry. And he was so angry because I was like, what was, what was wrong with it? Because I, I quite liked the Men in Black yeah. movie. Like, I was like, what was wrong with it? And he was like, that. It's fucking, it's false advertising. At no point does an alien come out and dance and sing. I was like, but that's a music video. And my granddad couldn't get his head round. A music video was different. Like, and the music video for him was the trailer for the movie. Yeah, right? yeah. And but that's not, not totally wrong. Like that, that's... he could not get his head around the fact. And this was his like it wasn't that it was funny or it wasn't funny or like any other thing in the movie. His 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 full take on it was the movie promised me a dancing singing alien, which they did not fucking deliver. So fuck this movie. Like get in the bin. 
and I'm just like, there's a certain point where old people should not go to the cinema. Like, I think that I think that's it. Look, I there's a there's a I think there's a line on all these things, right? I think yeah. there's a line where they shouldn't drive. There's a line where they shouldn't be able to vote, and there's a line where they shouldn't be able to go to the cinema to go and see movies, which will like definitely not be for them. Like, so yeah. like no 70 year old should be going to see a new Minions movie ever. Yeah. Like, like, like even remotely, like parents have to suffer through that shit. So grandparents don't. Yeah. And that's what I told her. I was like, we, there, there will come a day when we will all go to a movie together. Yeah. It will not be this one. And, no, God, no. Um, <laughs> So, and he teased me about it when we got back too, but rightly so, rightly so. Um, but, but I, all right, I would put a, a corollary on your, your theory or your mm. hypothesis that you should not see a movie after a certain age. I no, think I, you shouldn't see certain movies after a certain age. I think that's it's, the, that's the line. I think you can see like movies, which I think there's like thrillers and dramas and all the mm. rest. But yeah, by all means, go. It's like movies that you know have what I would classify as adult content. Yeah. Like definitely go and see them. Like k- cartoons that are made for kids. Seventy year olds should not be going to see those. I would say it. It is the time between when you last saw a movie. Like if the last there's time also that as well. Yeah. If yeah. the last time you saw a movie <laughs> was Cool Hand Luke in the theater, <laughs> and then you're going to Men in Black, it's like look, things have changed so much. <laughs> Oh, the God. the taste the the way that movies he was just are presented. So angry. He was yeah. just so I was it was fucking hilarious. Uh, speaking of Alan Arkin, actually, uh, and uh, the arbiter of taste for Alan Arkin, mm-hmm. we're going to be covering him very soon as he's in one of the worst yeah. rated um, Cluso sequels, uh, where they decided to cast him as Cluso. Which, when we get to that, you'll see why that was a huge fucking mistake. Well, oh my God, that movie. Let's uh, let us begin. Yep. Um, because it it is that time to talk about uh, our second Pink Panther film. I'm so excited for this. Technically, not a Pink Panther film. But... Uh, well, Pink Panther films being the Clouseau films writ large, hundred percent. Yeah, is how we're kind of approaching this. Anything where the character Inspector Jacques Clouseau. Yeah, uh, appears is you know a Pink Panther movie for yeah. all because we we, we discussed this like they did the Pink Panther, mm. um, it performed well, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, like uh, Blake Edwards had Cluso as this minor minor character and could already see the potential after the fact, and um, Peter Sellers was I believe contracted to do the stage play of um, A Shot in the Dark. And he, he wasn't too keen on it. And then Blake Edwards got involved and they essentially adapted that story to become Ecluso. They insert Cluso into the story, yeah. um, A Shot in the Dark, which was a stage play. And then for all intents and purposes, how we understand the Pink Panther franchise moving forward from this movie is yeah some of the continuity gets a bit weird, but all the characters that you will now associate with Cluso movies are pretty much introduced here. Um, so that's your continuity, um, and that's the bit like sellers like over time will become more clumsy and more animated and more funny with the accent and all the rest. But the the essential the premise of the Cluso character that people know in pop culture starts here. This is the starting yeah. point, not the previous movie. Because we talked about that, it was like kind of kind of romantic 
like farce movie. This is when it starts here with the this is a comedy. Mm-hmm. Like that, like this is not a, we're not we're like we're not trying to set this up as anything other than a kind of clumsy mystery comedy, and that's what excites me because this is the point where those laughs laughs uh, uh an hour you were talking about mm-hmm. like now is where the metric starts to like if, if we're getting the low on this movie then i'm a bit concerned like if we, i would expect the number to start climbing up now so we'll yeah. see how we get on so uh yeah just before we we dive into the plot um to to piggyback on on a couple of things that you said about the production of this movie yes blake edwards did take over the director's share of this movie um was uh did it with the the caveat that he was able to rewrite the script and yep. bring in Peter Sellers as Jacques Clouseau and basically it was it was sort of what he did with Pink Panther where he basically told Peter Sellers just do your thing and yep. a lot of this was written on the fly and was very improvisational did he by any chance he do your thing cuz uh oh god <laughs> Yeah, foreshadowing the Alexandra Daddario line yep. from yep. Ma- not the worst Texas Chainsaw movie, but at it's the bottom there, of the dude. list. This is up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also worth saying that screenplay and adaption duties handled by Blake Edwards and, as we mentioned in the previous episode, William Peter Blatty. Yeah, which is... It's fucking mind-blowing. This is 1962, uh, sorry, 1964, Bo. <laughs> yeah, which, which explains why Elkie Summers in that nude scene yes. tells Jacques Clouseau that his mother sucks cocks in hell. Yes. And, 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 the, and the funny thing about it is the head spins around to tell him it. Yeah. I so. was like, that seems out of place. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> Peter Bellatti just yep. uh you know there's a scene where Cluso walks out one door and a nun with a pair of scissors comes out behind them <laughs> yeah you know just running a few things up the flagpole before they found their way into movies <laughs> later um but but so by the end of this movie because there's not another pink panther movie for a while after this and yes. and the reason is is because uh, peter sellers and blake edwards hated each other so much by the end of this movie yeah that which they... is not not like not unco- like I, I don't know the ins and outs, right? And we were uh-huh. speaking about this yesterday when I was chatting to, to Jamie. Peter Sellers, uh, history has taught us that Peter Sellers could be quite difficult to work with. Right. Um, and, and also, Elkie Summers uh, turned out to be like a in a relationship with Peter Sellers for years after. And so yes. he was probably not the easiest guy to work with because, A, he's chasing after Elkie Summers in this movie yes on on set and, yes and be feeling like he's a comedic genius and that blake edwards is is trying to cramp his style or whatever yeah yeah so like there's there's a lot of things going on you are right like we are we're gonna essentially we're gonna find that the this is like well and we'll get in it more but like you can see the craft and chemistry between director and actor in this movie mm-hmm. and that there's a reason why the best ones of the entire series we're going to talk about have Blake Edwards in the chair and Peter Sellers as Inspector Clouseau. And if you change either one of those, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get to all the ones that don't work. Um, but it yeah, is... this, is, this, is the, this is the genesis of it. And I'm so, like, I forgot, I've not seen this movie in years, I forgot how many 
I had like associated whole sequences of this movie in other Clouseau movies. Yeah. Which I think they do. I think they like basically rehash a lot of the same jokes, but like they're all here. It's... And I was like, fucking hell, this is just like set piece after set piece after set piece. Right. Whereas the Pink Panther is kind of, hey, here is this mystery story and Clouseau yeah. is along for the ride. This is just a series of gags shrugged together by kind of a, a half-baked plot. Yeah. yeah. Which is and, fine, which is, yeah. I think, what these movies ought to be. Yes. Yeah, 100%. So, all right, let's get into it. So, <laughs> the opening bit of this is, uh, in almost typical bedroom far style, is a bunch of characters who we will come to know later sneaking around the grounds of the Ballon estate. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we see guys and girls and blah, blah, blah. They're all sneaking around, missing each other, trying to get up to uh, the, the bedroom of the Elkie Summers character, mm -hmm. um, Maria Gambrelli, we will learn. And as they're sneaking around and spying on each other and all that stuff, uh, this all culminates in gunshots coming from the window of Maria Gambrelli, which sets off the events of the film. Is there, yeah, is there a shot in the dark, Bo? There was uh, a shot in the dark. A shot in the dark. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks to Ozzy Osbourne for not suing us. And then we learn <laughs> that it's uh, this is the home of uh, Benjamin Ballon, who's uh, played by veteran actor George Sanders, who mm -hmm. is immediately recognizable, although... Let's see what what's his his big his big stuff. Um, you know the uh, uh, Jupiter's Darling, mm. um, Ivanhoe. He's a, yeah, he's just a face that you will have seen. Like if you're a, an aficionado or a cinephile at all, he just appears in quite a lot. Yeah, a very very well respected actor. And he's perfect, perfectly cast in this. Yeah. Like the fact that he keeps a straight face through, like, all the... Could you keep a straight face through, like, Peter Sellers doing half of what he's doing in this movie? The, no. The scene in particular where he is the perfect straight man, we'll get to it, but it's the billiard yeah. scene. Oh, so funny. Which <laughs> is, is a terrific scene, and he... Like you said, it's just a great moment of, like, here is, here is a straight man who is playing... The trick to comedy, right, is that not yeah. everybody in the scene is ridiculous, that yes. everybody plays it straight. And mm -hmm. then when you have a character like Clouseau, who is a, an idiot and is bumbling all over the place, that's what makes it funny because he exists in a world in which everyone else is just going about the business of living in the real world. Yeah. And uh, like the movie Airplane is funny because it's complete nonsense, but everybody in the movie thinks they're in a drama. Yes, you know, yeah, yeah, and it's it's that kind of thing. So yeah, so he is the this billionaire or millionaire. Um, there's his wife who is just known as Madame Ballon. Uh, mm -hmm. There is the head butler Henri, <laughs> and Madame Lafarge who is the cook and and Henri's wife. There is mm -hmm. Miguel, the chauffeur. Yep, Maria, who is not the head maid. She's she's a maid. Yes. Uh, there's Pierre. There's Dudo, who is the head maid. And Georges the gardener. Yep. And his wife, Simone, who is the second maid ahead of Maria. Mm -hmm. And then there's Maurice, who is like below the head butler. So we got all those characters all living in this house working for the Ballon family or members of the Ballon family. And 
um, the the first sign that we get of the authorities being involved is the uh, Herbert Lom as Inspector Dreyfus. Oh, I'm I'm just gonna let you guys know out there just now. If you're joining us in the journey and like Bo, you've not experienced the Pink Panther movies. Yeah. The Dreyfus character, as portrayed by Herbert Lom, is like absolute fucking gold, and he only gets better. He is fucking a, like I like you like you forget like you you forget how great an actor he is. He really is of his generation one of it because he could do it all. Like the, the, mm. we're talking about here, he's here playing uh, you know Dreyfus. Within a decade of this, he plays uh, like one of the most sadistic witch hunter characters in Mark of the Devil. Where it's, I mean that that he's he's fucking terrifying in that movie. Within ten years of that, he's in um, he's opposite Christopher Walken in a Dead Zone. Dead Zone. Yeah, he's and great he's in that. like as the and the psychiatrist. Yeah. He's such a versatile character actor. But the Dreyfus character is, is, it's maybe my favorite performance, but you'll see why as we get through his character arc just in this movie alone is fucking amazing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well, and the first time you see him, it's it's the old, you know, the old uh, chestnut of him being on the phone saying, yes, darling, I've got, you know, champagne and we're going to go away together. And then somebody buzzes in and is like, "Uh, Inspector Dreyfus, your wife is on line three. And he's like, "Uh, tell her I'm not here. (laughs) So, like, so he plays Commissioner Dreyfus. So Commissioner he is basically Dreyfus, yeah. he is in charge of the 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 surete in um, Paris, and uh, yeah, he's he's a uh, he's about to be told by his another character that appears like over and over again is Francois. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same actor that'll play Francois throughout all these movies. Weird continuity, like where they'll grab these things. Francois, who appears to be maybe he's assistant, but is also a police officer. Comes in basically to tell him there there has been a murder, um, and um, uh, like it's in the the Ballon estate, and mm-hmm. uh, oh, like Dreyfus is like, oh, interesting. And he's like, but it's not, you know, wasn't him or wasn't a member of his family. It's just something's happened on the grounds and all the rest. And he's like, mm, and he's like, well, I may have made a mistake. <laughs> he's like, well, he's like, well, we may have already sent a police officer, and you can just see it on his face. He's like that. Who did she send? And he's like, uh, what? We sent Clouseau and he's like, oh no. Yeah. And um, that's that's all we need. That's all we need is a setup. Even if you've not seen the previous movie, this scene sets up for they've sent an imbecile. Yes. Right? <laughs> it's like that's all you need. And, so in our first look at it, you see the car pull up to the Bellona stage. Oh man. And the the door opens, outsteps Jacques Clouseau immediately into a fountain. <laughs> and and so he goes in and it's the first real laugh of the movie is he shakes hands with someone yeah, and it just squish because he is yeah. soaking wet. Yeah. And he, oh, I'm sorry. I had a bit of an accident. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so he wants to inspect the body and uh, he meets Maurice there. Uh, yes. who is kind of guarding over the body. And uh, th- then as he's looking, you know, through the room and so forth, out of the bathroom of this place comes Elkie Summers as Maria. Yeah. And he's just, you know, like wolf howl, 
auga eyes and the whole yep. deal. And so here, here are the facts of the case, though. Is which we get a lot in this movie, which yeah. I kind of love. <laughs> so Maurice found the body. Yep, Maurice uh, Maria was found standing over the body of the <laughs> the dead guy Miguel with yep. a gun, smoking in her hand, still smoking. Yeah. yeah, and he was like, "Is this true? Is was the gun still smoking? Oh, I don't know. I guess it could have been." And yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Hmm, I'm sure it was nothing." But she's like, I don't know how the, the gun got in my hand. I yeah. was knocked unconscious and then just woke up and, and here we are. And he's like, uh-huh. Um, so it, did you know this man? And she's like, oh, yeah, we were lovers. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and she says that uh, Miguel tore her dress as mm-hmm. they were getting passionate. And then... She went to the bathroom and then just doesn't know what happened after that. Yeah. She wakes up, bump on her head. Yeah, bump. Um, you received a bump? A what? A bump. A bump. <laughs> so, you know, the bump. <laughs> he sends Maurice out of the room so he can talk to LK Summers. And then she's going to have a cigarette, so she lights. So he lights the cigarette uh-huh. for her and puts this back in her pocket. And of course, it puts a still lit lighter in his pocket, yeah. Which of course catches his coat on fire, even though it's wet. Yeah, like, <laughs> and so he freaks out, starts running around to try to put the 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 fire in his pocket out. Yeah. Commissioner Dreyfus shows up to undo the damage that he has done by sending this idiot in in the first place. Opens the door. Which knocks Clouseau out of a window. Yeah, because he's standing beside an open window. Right. Uh, so yeah, he goes he goes tumbling out. Yeah, goes uh, ass over tea kettle, lands on the the you know the ground, the driveway beneath, and picks himself up in time for Dreyfus to make his way to him, and is like, "You are relieved of duty. You are you do not yeah. need to do anything with this case, um, and you know, go home." This is no longer your concern. Yeah. Case closed. Movie over. Right. We, you know, that's that's the end of this story. So so then Clouseau goes home. Where oh, dude. I told you, like, like and the only get and this only gets more elaborate the further we go. This fucking like amazing. So he he is suddenly from out of nowhere attacked by an Asian gentleman named Cato. Yeah, we've got to stress here, he's in his bed, wearing full karate gi. <laughs> yes, when he comes out of bed, yeah, he has the gi on. With his black belt on. And so the phone rings, and this is kind of the running gag of it, and this is what I like yeah. most about this gag, is that the phone rings, and he's like, wait, 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 wait a second, just stop attacking for a minute. Because Kato is clearly the better fighter. Oh, every time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so he's like, what, you know, hold on a minute. And, he, you know, he answers the phone. Yeah. Hey, has a dance. <laughs> and then sucker punches Kato. Yeah, Be- like he, answer- he answers. <laughs> which, which is what I love about the gag is the whole gag is him saying like, wait, 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 time out for a second. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we got to pause our little game here. <sighs> and then using that opportunity to just punch Kato in the gut and double yep. him over. 
Yeah, but the thing is, like, I love like because Dreyfus is on the other end of the phone, right? Mm-hmm. And like, like, but Cluso is like all like out of breath. It's, <sighs> it's like, hello, <laughs> and he's put back on the case because Dreyfus received a phone call from higher up. Yes, and we 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 never get the name. We find out who it is, but we never get the name. He's basically being pressured from on top to put Cluso back on the case. You can work out who it is because. Like the conversation right after Cluso goes out the window and is sent home, uh, Benjamin Ballon comes in and speaks to um, Dreyfus and says to him, you know, what I'm to the other officer. Um, he's a bit odd, but I quite like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, well, you know, you'll find that as the movie goes on, basically Ballon has put his significant money pressure on whoever's in power to say, get no, we want Cluso on the case, which is will be spelled out towards the end as to why he wants that and also why yeah. this viciously backfires. Um, I don't think it's, like, if you've ever seen movies before, I think you kind of understand, like, oh, he's clearly doing this because he wants the worst detective possible 100%, investigating yeah. this case. Yeah, you like, this is this is what this is. We want this clown investigating this because this clown yeah. is not going to turn up anything. Look how incompetent he is. So, yeah, so but you're right. Like, he comes off the phone, he's back on the case, he's over the moon, cracks Kato and then gives him like I think he gives him a kick as well for yeah. a good measure when he's on the ground <laughs> next time you you will need to surprise me more yeah I mean yeah. it's just uh, and, and kind of chastises him for not being an, an effective uh uh fighter in the moment yeah. and yeah it's uh, uh, yeah it's, it's a good bit and so the next scene is him going over the case with his uh, you know, associate Hercule. Yeah, Hercule played by Graham Stark, who will go on to play various other roles in this this series. So you you he will pop up at, at weird occasions as different people. So, but yeah, it, like I, I feel sorry for Hercule because Hercule, clearly named after Hercule Poirot, mm-hmm. must be uh, you know, the greatest detective ever, and he is the kind of. He's basically saying what the audience is kind of saying to Clouseau because he does the, let's do the effects of the case. Yeah. And, and fact number one. And it's basically how bore it out. This is it. That, you know, all like, here's all like this. If you look at the evidence, the answer will avail itself to you. And it gets to the end of all these facts. And he's like, so who committed the murder? And he's like, Maria did. Like, she's got the smoking gun. And he's like, no, you're imbecile. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, <laughs> It's like, it's like she's clearly innocent, even yeah. though she had the gun. She was in a relationship with him. The gun was still smoking. Like she was the only one in that room. The door was locked from the inside, so there was no way the killer had left before it was broken down by um by the you know the the butler. So it's clear it's clearly her. And Cluso is having none yeah. of it at all. Would you kill a man who tore your dress off like <laughs> that? Of course not. Um, and, and so his his statement is like, oh, she's clearly covering for someone for someone for someone. Yeah. yeah, we don't know. We need to find out who that person is, and then we'll know who the killer is. Yeah, and and this is also about the time that Dreyfus kind of reveals, like, oh, Bellon has has been calling higher up the chain to have Clouseau put back on the case, uh, as, as you said earlier, and so. Yeah. Um, then we, we have an interrogation of our suspect by Clouseau. He's practicing this. And oh, while, man, this, 
once again, this scene is just so well set up. Like Peter Sellers, are like he is like he's almost he's he's kind of like a, a a comedic genius. Like yeah, his yeah. timing is his time is his timing is ridiculously good. Um, and you get you get it here. So he's he's kind of he's like this is how he's going to speak to her and all the rest. And he's in his office, and then. He, he kind of gets he gets a little distracted as you do, and he walks out to go as he's walking out in the hallway. Um, Hercules went away to go and essentially go and get Maria to bring to his office. So he hears a door close. So he then goes across the hall, and when he goes in there, Hercule escorts Maria into Cluso's office, and then he comes out and then walks <laughs> Cluso walks right past him. With it, like the blinkers on her, all the rest, just walks past him at his office, and then as he's closing the door, he sees Hercule, closes the door, goes, wait a second, opens the door, Hercule is gone, walks back in the room, Maria's standing there, and he walks back to the window, not acknowledging her, he's like, eh, if you'd like to take a seat, eh, Miss Gambrelli, this, and eh, what she duly does, because she thinks he's speaking too hard, and right. she's not acknowledged her. And when he turns around, she's sitting in the chair, and he's like, huh? Yeah. Like, he just he plays it perfectly, man. Plays it perfectly. And, yeah, it, it's a good bit. It, it Like you said, Peter Sellers is just, he's a naturally funny comedian, yeah. and uh, this is a very, one of the best scenes of the movie is, yeah. by the end of this scene, he will be half-naked, and 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 completely dizzy. So Maria then tells him like Miguel was breaking the relationship off, and everything yeah. she says just makes her more of a prime suspect. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, like all these things that are what we call red flags, bro. Yeah, and <laughs> and he says like previously you had accused the man of raping you, and she's like, no, 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 that never happened. He was we. It was just, uh, you know, I was upset and it. That never, it wasn't really what it sounded like. And to make Miguel feel better when he was going to break it off, she told him she was seeing somebody else so that he wouldn't feel bad about leaving her alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, during the course of this conversation, his the sleeve of his jacket gets ripped off. Yeah, he, he tries to unlock, like he, he talks about how safe, he is with the evidence and details and whatnot, and he has a keychain mm -hmm. which he uses to unlock the drawer. Right. And he's so distracted when he closes the door, the key's still in it. So when he turns around, it tears a hole in his trousers. Yeah. So his trousers are all torn right at the crotch area. The sleeve of his suit is all torn, and she's like, you know, do you need some assistance? He's like, I've got, I've got a great tailor who's going to fix this. You know, you worry about it. Uh, but he's he's completely besotted with her. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, um, he's he is a schmitten kitten, um, <laughs> and he's he's you know he's, he's like that, and he he devises this like like she talks about how bad the prison cell is because it's a prison cell. So he then proceeds to phone the man that's in charge of the holding cells to chastise him about the state of the holding cells right. and their, the you know, chairs in particular being so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, you need to make them more comfortable for these suspected murderers. Uh, like he does all this, and he's like he's, he's kind of flexing a little bit in front of her. But at the end of this conversation, she's like, "So do I have to go like back to the holding cells?" I am afraid so. And he he, he calls and he's his uh, his helper uh, Hercule. Yeah, and um, like you know, like escort her back, and then he devises the 
what you would argue is maybe the worst plan ever. And his worst plan ever is, listen, she's clearly covering for someone. We'll set her free. Mm-hmm. We'll turn her out. She will lead us to the killer mm-hmm. because I will be following her in the first of a repeated series of gags, including disguises, which once again will become a running theme throughout the series and become more elaborate and much more funny. But there's a gag at the end of these, which I particularly like because... And, you know, it's it's used really well. And, yes. You know, if you know what I mean, it's 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 handled really well. Like you forget, it's not that you forget it coming, but you as soon as the scene happens, you're like, oh, this is how this is going to end, and it's still funny when it happens. Yeah. Which I think is like a, a testament to good comedy. So right, so he he is having a release for from prison. During the course of that uh, is a gag I like where it's kind of a callback to the globe bit from the first Pink Panther where he spins the globe and puts his hand on it. Only it gets stuck in the globe this time uh, as he's ordering her release. And so she's released from prison. He is disguising himself outside of the prison as a guy selling balloons. And selling balloons. (laughs) And... And a a cop comes up to him and says, you know, hey, do you have a license to sell balloons here? And he's like, a license? And then immediately, (laughs) as the police paddy wagon is taking him away. So... Um, <laughs> oh, we also cut to like like we we got a clip of, of Dreyfus speaking to um, Francois, and he's like that he, he released her. You're right. He's like, yeah, he's he's he's, he's released her. Turned and he's like, this guy is an imbecile. Um, and so yeah, so like he's he's still tracking the case. He's obviously taking interest because he's the commissioner. But everyone's at a bit of a loss as to why Clouseau would let her go. But Clouseau is adamant that she is not the killer. Yes, right. Again, because he's an idiot. And (laughs) so we get a scene between the gardener telling Ballon (laughs) in the worst blackmail scheme of all time. Yeah, this is the worst shakedown ever. You're like saying, you you know, um, do you remember the night of the murder? He's like, of course I remember the night. (laughs) It's like, many people have been murdered in this house. Of course I remember that. He's like, well, interestingly enough, I saw you climb down the window. Um outside and he's like oh you've got very good eyesight and he's like yeah yeah the price of food is so expensive these days <laughs> like uh, you know like I, I can barely afford it and, he, and well even ballons like that can we like rather yeah. than discuss the economic climate here just tell me what you want and he's like a hundred thousand francs yeah will help me with my food bills <laughs> and so he's like all right well we'll take care of this uh wink wink nudge yeah yeah <laughs> And so Clouseau shows back up at the Bologna estate and uh, to to follow Maria and is uh, immediately chased by a dog. Yeah. <laughs> which chases him all the way into a greenhouse. Yep. Where inside the greenhouse he finds Maria. Hol- She's there. So he found her. Yeah. Yay. Holding a pair of bloody shears <laughs> over the body of the gardener. So it's like that. Have you hurt yourself? You're right. Yeah. Well, there is. I think that is blood. Oh. Oh. Yeah. 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 It looks there. You see just a pair of legs yeah. coming out of the the, the, the greenery. And yeah, it's revealed that like she doesn't know how she ended up with these scissors in her hand, and she doesn't know how this guy ended up dead. Yet we jump back to these are the facts of the case, right? Yes. So we go back to the board. So updated facts. Um. 
The gardener was found dead. Maria was found beside the body with the murder weapon, still coated in blood. And she claims that she can't remember how she got them. That's right. Um, and she's the only. She was the only one there. That's also right. That. Yeah. Yep. Hercule, who is the murderer? And Hercule is like Maria Gambrelli. Wrong. Like, you idiot. <laughs> Wrong. Idiot. Um, yeah, he's like that guy. Clearly, it's not her. And then I love this because, like, Hercule's like, "Well, who's the killer then?" And he's like, "Ah, we need to." <laughs> like, he doesn't have an answer. Right. Ah, I'll tell you who it is. It who whoever killed the first one is the murderer of the second one. Yeah, and that is what we need to find out. So we need to let her go again. <laughs> right, but we as the audience understand, like, oh, Bellon has a perfectly good reason to kill this gardener. A hundred percent. Puso has yeah. no idea of any of this. No, 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 uh, not, 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 not an inkling. So yeah, so she's he commands a release again, and this time he's going to follow her again. Yeah, and but, Dreyfus though, yeah, yeah the, the person who asked him about like Dreyfus is like inquisiting him about the case, and yeah. he's like, "Well, where is the prisoner now?" And oh, I released her, and he's like, "You what? <laughs> you released her again?" Yeah, uh, he's like, "Yeah, I, I have a theory." Um, and he's like, he kind of lays it out to him basically in like inclusive language as to what he's doing. You can see Dreyfus is the thing I love about this is the facial tick, the, yeah, the, he the starts like, eye twitch that he does, right? Like, starts getting more prominent as this movie goes on, where you can just see he's, he, he's starting to lose it, um, which he will do big time in this movie, yeah. Uh, but the eye starts fully full on kind of kind of twitching, and um, yeah, like, so Cluso decides he's going to follow her. Again, but this time in another cunning disguise, Bo. Yeah, this time he's an artist. A street artist, A street yeah. artist, right, uh, peddling his <laughs> wares. And sure enough, a, a cop comes up and is like, do you have a license for selling all those paintings? He's like, a license. <laughs> you can see it coming. It's yeah. still fucking hilarious. Yeah, and at that point, it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be a bit. Got it. Okay. Yeah, this is, the, this is the gag. Yeah. So <laughs> then... Me, uh, I think arguably the best scene of this movie is next, where Clouseau then goes to the estate to meet with Bellon and essentially yes. accuse uh. him of being the murderer, yes. but done over a game of pool. That that that's like this is like a layered joke. You know what I mean? This isn't just like uh this is a one note joke. This is layered through all the th like there are so many gags going on here yes. that make it hilarious like 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 you've got like like Cluso himself uh like right down to, like the smallest detail the funniest most stupid should not be funny detail is the bent cue that he goes to play with yes oh and and uh Ballon tells him like oh you might like this it's good for trick shots yes <laughs> and whoever invented this poor cue is a cruel man uh but it like it's this conversation again. This is why the comedy works here is because it's a great conversation that they're having where Clouseau is accusing him of murder essentially, yeah. and Belon yeah, yeah. just doesn't take any of it seriously. I mean, he's not he's not being silly about it, but he's just like, well, yeah. I mean, I you know, uh, you know, th these accusations are spurious or whatever, and but well, not yeah, getting upset. He's like, yeah, he's like, you told me you arrived on this flight, which I now know is cancelled. So, aha! <laughs> like, yeah. So, Cluso has, like, in fairness, Cluso has done some investigation. Mm-hmm. 
but he, I think through his investigation, he's like, I've cracked Eureka, I've cracked the case. And he, like, like Balon has an answer to everything. Yeah. And Clouseau, like, you can see, like, as soon as he gets answers, like, right, uh, uh, it's like there's a deer trapped in the headlights. But he never, like, the thing about it is he keeps pressing on with with things that, like I say, like you said, Balon swats away with ease because mm. Balon looks at, treats Clouseau as an imbecile. Yeah. To the He's point, like, <laughs> there's that great point where, like, it, it's a breaking shot that Clouseau makes, and the yeah. cue ball just flies off the table. Yeah. And as they're talking, Balon just, like, grabs it. It doesn't break, doesn't yeah. break character. Just yeah. grabs it. Grabs and it puts it down. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's such a funny scene. And, and it's all, not all, it's 85% physical comedy, so it's hard to yes. convey. But it's. Cluso bumbling around the table, them getting tangled up in each other's pull cues. Oh man! Like all that one of them has to do is let go of the yeah. pull cue, and we're going to be fine here. But we're going to twist ourselves around and break. Um, yeah, and like it, it, it's building up to, like essentially, like you said, Cluso thinking he's found out who the killer is, and by the end of this conversation, Cluso is now not sure he knows who the killer is. It's not Ballon, probably. It's probably someone else. But he receives a phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, which is going to call him away to his uh, assistant Hercule, mm-hmm. um, who's making the call, but he doesn't have a car to get there. So he basically asks if Balon can arrange a car for him. He's <laughs> like, Yes, my butler will drive you. It's okay because uh, the chauffeur is obviously dead. And then the butler, like, who's also fucking amazing in this, all the butlers in all the Clouseau movies are brilliant because they're so deadpan and um, they're actually much more competent than Clouseau is, yeah. which is the, 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 the gag, but um, he's asked for assistance from Balon, the guy who he basically accused of murder like a couple of seconds ago. Can I get like, a ride? Yeah. Can I get a ride? He's like, yeah, I'll get my, my butler to do it. And then all Balon asks him to do as kind of, recom- kind of recompense for this is to put away his pill cue. Uh-huh. Like, Can I give you my pill cue to put away? And Clouseau's like, not a problem. And then Balon goes to <laughs> I call him to do this. It was such a stupid joke. It's so stupid. Cluso goes to put the cue in and then they all fall out and he's like, Fah. Yeah. It... And they go everywhere. And then you just see Balog kind of look over and it's wrecked. Like everything's ruined. It, it looks like uh, if you just dumped a, a bunch of pickup sticks on the floor or something, if you remember that toy. Um, but oh. yeah, it is just, it, again, it's it's this great physical comedy of him being completely unable to perform these easiest... Rudimentary tasks. Yeah. yeah. Like, all you have to do is put the pill cue away. There's a hole for it. And that, and that yeah, yeah, that's actually the line of, whoever invented this rack is a, yeah. a monster. <laughs> Followed up by an even better line where, like, he's he's the uh, butler comes in, he's like, Don't worry about it, the butler will fix it. And he's like, Oh, I'll say goodbye to you. The door's open and he walks the wrong way. He doesn't go through the door <laughs> hole, he walks the wrong way uh, into the wall and then comes back and says, And whoever whoever designed this house, whoever the architect is, he is also a criminal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like... And your architect. Yeah, it's. <laughs> it's just such an. I mean, but. It... And it's kind of at this scene, I think, Duncan, where I realized, yeah. like, oh, this is just a cartoon. It's a hundred percent. That's how you should approach these yeah. movies. Is they are that is it's a cartoon. Yeah, all the way through it. Like it will never, like the humor will never get more subtle yeah. than what you're seeing just now. The, the the set pieces will get more elaborate 
but you'll always kind of see the joke coming a mile off. But which, like I said before, shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Like almost in every scenario, you can see an element. You're like that. All right, this is the element he's going to fuck up, and he'll do it, and it's still hilarious when he does it. Um, which is kind of that's that's his lane, and I kind of there's a I once you know what his lane is, you can completely appreciate it for what it does. Yeah. So, all right. So, our next bullet, uh, our next beat of the film is Cluso going to stake out the Bologna estate, uh, and this I'm cleverly disguised as a hunter, but yeah. this bird uh. keeps like <laughs> chirping above his head and and pooping on him. Yep. And so he shoots the bird. Mm-hmm. And immediately a game warden shows up and is like, hey, uh, good hunting today. I'm the game warden. You have yeah. a, a license to be hunting out here? And he's like, <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he is once more arrested. And so the next stakeout happens. <laughs> where Clue- joke. <laughs> It's really stupid, but it does totally work. Because it's a great editing joke, like a film editing joke of the quick cut to the same shot of of the uh, the paddy wagon. Why doesn't he tell them he's a police officer? <laughs> Who knows? Because he's an idiot. He, you know. Uh, uh, so uh, Cluso and Hercule have followed Maria to a place called Camp Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> which is not the sort of camp that you think it is um right at all <laughs> so it, like Clouseau goes in alone talks to a guy behind the counter and if you're again just a, a, a person who oh. has three working brain cells you realize that oh this guy behind the counter is naked yeah so this must be a nudist colony yeah like Clouseau asks him if he's just been for a swim <laughs> yeah oh yeah just a little bit ago uh-huh and he says, uh, is there a Maria Gambrelli here? And he's like, oh, yeah, she went to the recreation area. And he's like, all right, uh, how do I get to to the recreation area? And he's like, well, just go through this room and you'll you'll need to change in, in the locker room. Which he goes in the locker room and there's a, a guy there. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, and also the guy's naked. And yeah, Clouseau, the guy's naked playing a guitar. Yeah. And... Uh, Clouseau is like, I need to go to the recreation area. And the guy's like, oh, you're just through there. But you can't show up like that. He's like, yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> and this is where he learns it's a nudist colony. And so if he wants to go to the recreation area, he's got to take off his clothes. And so sure enough, the next time we see Clouseau, he is naked with this guy's guitar. Uh, yeah, and once again, like, this is really, it's a gag that we've seen, like, the Austin Power movies are a great example mm-hmm. of this because they rip this off to fuck but it's all camera placement. So everyone's naked, but there's always something in the shot which hides the part that you would be titillated by if you were like in the audience. So like, um, but it's all the way that he's carrying the guitar in front of him. So he's always kind of like that. But every shot in this, there's something obstructing the view of, of some sort of sensitive and private area. Yes. And while Clouseau is wandering around this area looking for Maria, oh, Dreyfus shows up. Yeah, him and Francois show up. Yeah, because um, they've they've come to. I, I'm assuming arrest 
uh, Maria Grandbelly and yeah, of like that. Fuck this, yeah. Like, there's how many bodies now, and she's been at all of them with it. Like, we're just, oh, we're getting this, we're getting it done today. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the guy behind the counter is like, oh, one of your offices is already here, and he's like, one of my men. He's like Inspector Cluso, and you can just see it in his face. The eye starts <laughs> more, eye starts yeah, more of the eye tick, yeah. <laughs> and so they and and you know the guy's like, oh, well, you can't go and dress like that, and, and Dreyfus is like, of course we can. We're the police. Like, we're yeah. not getting naked. That's stupid. Which, once again, is what Clouseau should have said at the start. Right. But and, he foolishly, obviously. Uh, yeah. Right. Anyway. So he's creeping around. Maria finally finds him wandering around this nudist colony and falling into the water. And, yeah. you know. There's a lot of falling into the water gags in yes. this movie. Yeah. And when sh- he, show- he shows up or when Maria finds him, he sees her in the all together. Yep. And immediately passes out. This is just too yep. much for Clouseau's brain to, to handle. And uh, Dreyfus and his people show up and, you know, kind of raid the place looking for yeah. Maria. And while they are looking for Clouseau and Maria, who are still naked, uh, yeah. off in the woods somewhere, they find the body of Dudo. Dodo? Um, Dodo? Who is sitting naked at a fountain. Yeah. And so once again, another dead body has been found in the vicinity of Maria. Yeah. So Clouseau is like, we have to get out of here. And so they take his car, but they can't go back and get their clothes because the police no. have, have shown up. So they drive in their car naked and he's like, you know, we will go to my apartment and figure something out. Yeah. And, of course, as they're driving, there is a traffic jam. Yep. And as they're stuck in traffic, and it's kind of a, a intersection in this little French town, or in Paris, and uh, but in kind of this smaller neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And people immediately are like, hey, those people are naked in that car. <laughs> yes, the car gets surrounded by people, yes. right? And they're obviously spotted, and then... Near, near, near. Yeah. Like, like, but what I love about this is the extra detail here is there's two police officers on the back also peering in the window. Right, and hang on, yeah. So the paddy wagon goes up the hill. So, yeah. Oh, um, also, in the midst of all of this, there has been another body of the, the yeah. of Henri <laughs> discovered at the Bologna estate. Dropping like flies, both. Right, that Dreyfus w- was around for. So, when they finally get <laughs> after the, he's taken to jail yet again dreyfus finally tells cluso you are off the case completely yeah i you are going to be bounced down to the department of records in martinique which doesn't sound all that bad to me but all right yeah. <laughs> and so and i'd love but, but cluso was like like cluso was like you're doing the wrong thing listen i can tell you right now the one person the one and, the, and like this is where um uh, francois answer like, there's like the one person who is innocent is Maria Gambrelli. She's mm-hmm. innocent. You're like convicting the wrong woman. And then he starts to walk at the door and he's like that. You're like, uh, thank you very much, Francois. They close the door and he's like, he's closing the door. He's like, and another thing. And he's obviously got his hand out. So the door closes. His hand comes through the glass, smashing Dreyfus's door yes. glass, which obviously sets like the, 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 the kind of eyes twitching again. And we have, we have skipped over a bit as well, like which once again shows the escalation of Dreyfus after the second time. Maria Gambrelli is released 
Like after that altercation with Cluso in his room, Dreyfus smokes cigars and he does this by using a small guillotine to chop the end mm-hmm. off. And like, we get this scene where he's like, he gets ready to chop the cigar and it's and he's like that. Francois, you need to you need to, you need to call an ambulance and the doctor. His wife is like, I appear to have just chopped up my thumb. Yeah. So like Dreyfus has now got his thumb all taped up, like, uh-huh. like he's taped back on. So he's not going to taped up thumb. And this is because like he's so stressed out with Cluso. Cluso leaves and like he's like he basically says to like Francois says to Dreyfus, like, but what about the people higher up that's doing this? He's like, listen, I have worked this out, Francois. It is Ballon that is putting pressure on him here and he's done it because he's either covering up for someone i suspect probably his wife um by putting this inept imbecile cop in charge and francois like understand that boss but just listen to me what happens if Cluso's right Mm-hmm. And like you are going to arrest the wrong woman, and the murders continue. And by this point, Dreyfus has lifted a letter opener, <laughs> and she's like, "No, no, no! I'm telling you, I've taken him off the case. I feel renewed. I feel like a child again." Uh, and he's like, "Like he's like, but what happens if, you know, what? Like, just let's play devil's advocate. What happens if Cluso is right and you're wrong?" And he's standing at the window and he folds his arms over like he's in a huff <laughs> like this, and then all you hear is. Francois, uh, I need you to get the doctor. And he's like, are you feeling a bit unwell? He's like, I appear to have stabbed myself with the It's almost the the gag. What it reminded me of is the young Frankenstein scalpel gag where Gene Gene Wilder stabs himself in the leg. My grandfather's work was doo-doo. Class dismissed. And it's that kind of thing. It's it's so that calm, like... You know, yeah. I've severely wounded myself, but I'm yeah, not going to stab. He stabs himself in the arm with this thing. So Cluso goes back home dejected, um, is starting to pack his suitcase up um, with with all his various regalements. He's wearing these sorte hat for no reason mm-hmm. at all. And while he's doing this, the door at the background opens, Bo, and enter Cato. Yeah. And it's the same <laughs> gag, which is what makes it great. Like, Cato attacks... Yeah. Is getting the better of Cluso. The phone rings very quickly, very because yeah. like Cluso straight away as soon as he's getting attacked, he's like, "Not now, get on!" It's flung over. He gets put like a submission move, and he's like, ah. and the phone goes mm-hmm. again, and he's like, "It's better Cluso's residence." But he hands it to Cluso, and it's Dreyfus who's getting like bandaged up. He's like, Cluso, you're back on the case. Like, he's like, it's the phone. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "Ah, yes, Kato, I am." I am back on the case. <laughs> and sucker punches, like, karate chops him in the throat. And, and Kato goes down again. Nice try, Kato, but you will have to up yeah, your game. Yeah, he's like, I have told you before. Uh, never. Like, like, this is chastised them for the thing he told them two minutes ago not to be there. He's like, I told you before, you no, never surrender. You always attack me when I'm yeah. least expecting it, even though I told you earlier on not to, not to. Always attack me when I'm least expecting it. I'm away for a bath. Uh, and he goes into the room and he's, he's like, la da dee, la da da, la da da. He's like, dirty shirt. And we see Kato, sore neck and all, trying to basically fold his clothes away, fix things up and all the rest. I fucking I love this scene because as he's folding the clothes away, he puts it and you see him walk to the case and then he's just like, he's holding his neck and he, he remembers the words, you must like always attack me when I least expect it. And he turns around and he runs at the door and he hears, like this. and then there's just yeah. a tsunami of water comes 
knock it off. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking water cut. So yeah, yeah. Great. Pretty good. Pretty oh. good. So Dreyfus uh later is is kind of telling Francois like you know, or no, he's talking he's to his now, therapist, now, sorry. Uh, things are escalated. He's now physically having to see his therapist. Who yeah. is also a recurring character. Like, this guy will be back as his therapist again. Oh, great. And he's telling about, like, what an idiot Clouseau is and all the ways he screwed up and letting Maria out yet again. And he's like, and he's going on a date yeah. with her tonight. He's taking her out to dinner. The like suspect. this. This, <laughs> Right. Like the fact this is going to blow up and and it'll be egg on the face of you know the the yeah. police department in general, not to mention yep. me personally for being his supervisor. Like I can't get away from this guy. Like every time I turn around, I can't pull him off the case. But as soon as you know, my plan is he is going to screw himself so good yeah. that he's going to stop being my problem completely because. This is like he is doing the dumbest possible thing by taking her out in public to yes. dinner. Which which we and, then see him taking her out to dinner. <laughs> right. And it's this extended scene. This is so good, man. Where, this is so good. Like this is another one where like it once again should not work, but the gag gets funnier as you can see the inevitable you can you know what's gonna happen. It's just how we're gonna get there. Yes. So, so uh, well, I think the surprise is Cato's involvement in it, but yeah. yeah. So they they start off having uh, dinner yes. where they're watching like some stage show, and this mysterious gloved stalker pulls out a silence pistol, is waiting for this dancing to reach kind of a crescendo, and then fires a pistol at him, which shatters their glasses. Yeah. It misses yeah. them but it shatters the glasses as they're toasting and they kind of laugh yep. it off. <laughs> and so at, they leave this restaurant to go outside to get their car. As they're getting their car, a valet brings it around, is helping them into the car. Our mysterious, you know, would-be killer throws a yep. knife, which stabs the yep. valet and kills yep. him. And of course, they're ignorant to all of this. They just get in the car, drive away as this valet dies on the streets of Paris. And so that's one, by the way. This is the first the first accidental death. Yes, the first murder yep. tonight. Then they go to some kind of Russian dance hall or something. Yeah. Where they're having drinks and it's this Russian dancer doing the traditional like babushka kind of dance. And the the killer shows up yes. here and is gonna Use a blow Use dart. A, like an actual goodness to gracious blow dart. <laughs> right. Which hits another a guy. A guy that stands up at the last minute to applaud uh, gets like he <laughs> takes the dart and he got like no one at the table realizes this guy's out there oblivious to it as well. And then we, we morph right. this to a more intimate setting with the Russian dancer basically getting people involved to do the dance. So we're now mm -hmm. doing a collaboration thing and um, the, the black glove killer poisons Clouseau's drink right he's like oh this is I'm like I'm, I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> well because the whole thing is like you do the dance and you when you finish the dance you, you kill you, like a shot yeah, of so he's like so first the gun didn't work then the knife didn't work the blow dart didn't work 
poison's a sure thing. Yeah. So they go over to do this, and like Cluso doesn't want to do the dance, and Maria's like, no, do the dance, do the dance. And he goes to do the first hey like that, and his trousers rip. Um, yeah. And he's like, oh, 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 and he's like, so he doesn't, he can't take part in the dance anymore because he's so embarrassed. So the dancer that comes back on does his dance, dims the poison drink. Because of course he yep. does. So he then dies. <laughs> so... He yes, he is now murdered. And so they go back to Clouseau's oh, place. Yeah. And in which the you know the killer follows, and he receives a package that is a clock. And um, as it is like, huh, I got that clock, <laughs> and you know puts it beside the yep. bed, and. Uh, so he gets back in bed with Maria yeah. and they're fooling around. And because he has been given instruction <laughs> to attack when Cluso least expects it, Cato then attacks while Cluso is about to get it on with Maria. <laughs> and as he attacks the bomb that was inside this clock goes off exploding uh, and you know blowing out the window and that kind of thing and then we cut to dreyfus who is now talking to clouseau about like this trail of yeah, bodies like this, this, that <laughs> and he's like that nah, just want to follow your your attack and he's like and clouseau's like i am now more convinced than i've ever been that maria is innocent because she was with me uh, like, yes. and, like dreyfus is kind of looking at him going like that yeah but she was there at all four of the murders like yeah but she was with me and i didn't see her do it which means she must be innocent um and he's like well yes. who killed these who killed the four people and he's like whoever killed the previous four people killed these four people like, <laughs> right well his whole theory is like the, whoever it, it was like the, these are murders of jealousy yeah. and rage and the killer will be so driven mad with jealousy by me taking her out on the yep. town that he he will be forced to reveal himself, have. which he didn't reveal himself, but he did murder all four these people. people yeah, theory. another four people are dead. Yeah. So Yeah, and, and Dreyfus is like, there are eight people yeah. dead, not to mention all the destruction that this bomb yep. caused. So what's next? And he's like, aha, we will, you know, confront them at the Bethlehem Yeah, Honesty. so now we get the classic scene of every murder mystery, which is the, it's the, the, the this is an Agatha Christie classic here. We will assemble everyone who's the suspect into one room uh, and we will, we will confront them with the, with the evidence. We'll talk them through, like Clouseau is going to talk them through, he's going to do his Poirot moment where he talks each of them through the events that have happened, and by the end of this conversation, I will have found the killer, he or she. Um, and this is, this this whole thing is amazing because, like, Ballon is obviously, he knows that he's an imbecile, but he will never say he's an imbecile. His wife, on the other hand, Dominique Ballon, she like is like incensed by how stupid Cluso is. You've got the butler who has to be respectful, even though he knows that Cluso's a clown, and then all the other maids at the side just watching a complete anarchy unfold here because Cluso is terrible at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, and there's a lot of it. My my favorite gag running through this scene, and it kind of goes all the way through it, is before they go in. Like, there's a plan that Clouseau has that at a certain moment, he is going to, uh, you know, accuse the killer. Hercule will cut the yes. power to make everything go, go dark. And at that moment, Clouseau will know. The killer, the killer will reveal themselves, they're... yeah, at that point, right. through a moment of panic. So this is his plan. 
So he doesn't know, yes. but he has to play it like he knows who the killer is. So we get him basically laying out the fa- the facts as we know them. Um, yeah. Like interspersed with them first stepping on Dominique Ballon's foot. Um, as she's like, ah, imbecile, he goes to help her foot. By doing that, he turns over, knocks over a table which has a tree, which then the butler has to pick up. But he's doing this while he's describing that he has worked out that Maria was knocked out because she received a bump. And he's like, what? A bump. She received a bump on the head um, from a closet handle, which, like, who... And he has worked out that most likely Benjamin Ballon was in the, the closet because fingerprints were found and there were his fingerprints. And he's like, yeah, but I live in this house and I have been in that closet before. And he's like, aha, but why were you in that closet before? And he's like, well, there was moths. He's like, yes, myths. And she's like, he's like, no, moths. And he's like, that is what I said, myths. Um, like, so, <laughs> so he's like, Wait, the, the myths are in there. And he's like, no, no, like Maria told me there was moths in this cupboard. And he's like, is this true, Maria? And she's like, yeah, that's right. And he's like, and you, the billionaire owner of this house, will go up to investigate this? Um, like that, not understanding that most likely this was a ploy for them to have sex. And you know, so there right. was like an opportunity for them to go off and like do what they do. Um, but and all the confusion, he's, he loses his train of thought from all the shenanigans that are, are happening. So... This is fucking brilliant. He basically goes across and then starts chastising the butler. You weren't paying attention to what I was saying, were you? And he's like, I heard everything you say. He's like, oh, really? Well, what did I say? So the butler then starts mm. to regale all the stuff. And you can see Cluso going, right, I did say that. I did say that. I don't get that. He's almost mouthing the words that he's saying back. And he's like, ah, and the next time I may test you on this. Like, <laughs> so you better be paying attention to every word that I say. And it starts to, like, it starts to build up. And then... Crucially, the moment comes where the killer does reveal himself, or should I say, Bo, killers. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Because, and I couldn't begin to explain who killed who and, and it, all of this it, It's kind of, it, yeah, it, it becomes a bit of a shouting match, but essentially everyone here, the opening set, the farce that you talked about, the opening set, is yeah. that everyone that lives on this state is having an affair with one of the other's wives or husbands. Right. And as a result of that, and the corresponding wife or husband commits the murder of the person having the affair with the person. Right. And Clouseau is revealed to be right. Everybody yeah, but Every her single person that killed yeah, somebody. Every person in this room, except Maria, is a murderer. And as soon as this fight is finally revealed, where everyone basically, I killed someone, and then they're all revealed... Whilst this is happening, by the way, the black glove killer uh, places his stick of dynamite in Clouseau's car, right? So he's going to blow mm-hmm. this up when this car's turned on. And at the exact point where there's a crescendo of all these killers being revealed, Hercule cuts the lights. And if I could, uh, because there is a thing that we haven't talked about where the timing of this is based on... <laughs> them trying to synchronize their watches yeah. with a watch that Clouseau has that doesn't, doesn't work. work. No. <laughs> and there's a whole running gag through this scene of his his watch is constantly wrong. He doesn't know what time it is. He's making Hercule count yes. to get to the right moment. And But yeah, so the lights go off. Everybody who has shot somebody, which is everybody Pumperia, yeah. <laughs> essentially, 
r- takes the opportunity to rush to Cluzo's car mm-hmm. to try to get away as they're all bickering at one another. They get in the car, drive off, and it takes what five yeah. seconds. <laughs> and and off screen, of course, the bomb that has been planted in the car goes thus off, killing all the murderers. So all the, all the murderers yes. die, and Cluzo comes running out to see this bombs went off, and then out of the background, Commissioner Dreyfus, who is basically screaming for the car not to go. <laughs> And he's yeah. like, and Clouseau's like, oh, Com- Commissioner Dreyfus, why, why are you here? And he's like, there was like, there, there was a bomb in that car. And he's like, yeah, I know the he, he, he boom. And he's like, he's like, yeah, but that bomb was meant for you. And he's like, that well, what do you mean the bomb was meant for you? And he's like, I put that bomb in that car to kill you like that. And he's like, well, all you've right. killed is all the killers. Like I was correct. Maria was innocent. He's like that. Those people in that car, as bad as well as they are. Do not have hold a candle to how bad you are. Like, like, like the eyes going, yeah. the twitchy, twitchy things happening. And he's like, like, he's like, you know, I, 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 it was, it was I that killed all those people. Um, like, so Dreyfus reveals himself to be multiple murderer. Um, yes. and he like he loses it to the point that he actually falls down and grabs Cluso's leg and starts gnawing on his foot like a dog. <laughs> yeah, just, I, 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 like, I, yeah, he is, he is just reduced to an animal state yeah. because of this rage and madness that has consumed him because of how you know how much uh Clouseau has yeah. has ruined which his is life. super important because the next time we see Tra- charles dreyfus um in these movies he is he is in the asylum so that is like it's okay. like like we're like this is like you know, he's like we will carry this through. Like, they will not reset this. This character returns like just like completely broken and obsessed with Clouseau. Like like this this, this is the way we're going to work this. But yeah, like Hercule gets called to basically arrest, um, you know, like Dreyfus and Maria's. You know, you always believed in me. I know my love, and they they have this embrace right in front of the fountain that he fell into earlier on, and inexplicably, bro. <laughs> is it? Because this is the, the moment that you would expect Clouseau would least expect an I attack. Suppose. <laughs> it's also the exact moment he's always going to expect, because Clouseau will never have sex. Uh, well, that's, yeah. the, that's the joke. He'll always be almost about to, uh, and something will stop him. In the case of this one, son! It's, it's Cato who appears from the, the bushes, runs, and they all fall into the fountain um, and kind of cue the, nah, nah, Keto! Uh, we'll cue the, the credits. And, and that's yeah. the end of A Shot in the Dark. Yes, which is... Uh, all right, so let's let's do our, our laughs per hour. And I would say for me, it's a solid, like, 15 laughs per it's hour. It's maybe a bit higher for me, but I will take your 15 laughs per hour. Yeah, I mean there were there were you know scenes like like I said I don't know that I was as crazy about the nude scene I was like ah this it's all fine. Fine. It's, a, mean, it's, it's a set piece to exercise a yeah. particular sort of gag and the gag is less what Clouseau's doing and it's more the funny camera work that's being employed it's very nineteen sixties you know what I mean very much so yeah and I don't think that plays as well today but the the scene when like the first time he's interrogating Maria in the yeah. office and just gets the ruined. pool sequence the Cato yeah. stuff the the yeah. pool yeah the pool thing alone 
It's like it. It's almost worth worth watching yeah. the movie just to get to that because that's kind yeah. Of well, the the, the, well of the we film. did what the one of the best gags on it is that because he can't play up the way, he decides to turn his pull cue around the other way. So it's essentially curving down, and you know what's going to happen. Like anyone knows what's going to happen. As soon as he does that, he's going to tear the green of the pool uh, table, which mm-hmm. he does, and he duly rips it. And once again, has to apologize to the man he's just accused of committing murder before he asks for him to get him a chauffeur. <laughs> like, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's a terrific scene. And, and the big scene at yeah. the end where he's accusing everyone of, or, you know, Bellon and everyone else trying to uh, ferret out the killer. Like that's a very, very funny yeah. scene yeah. as well. Like from the point that they're synchronizing watches all the way up to, you know, kind of the Cato attack at the end, which is a great way to end the the movie. It's like, it's a really fun movie. And, and like I said, it, it, you know, as we were talking about a pink Panther, uh, a difference between the pink Panther and this is like, it gives up the pretense of trying to be this globe trotting mystery yes. and instead focus on focuses on Clouseau being an idiot. Yeah. And that's where the fun is. A hundred percent. I think like basically what you, what you get ultimately in this movie is, the first realization that they're on is some like if the previous movie was them kind of establishing uh like the director seeing that there's something here like there's like there's a there's a, a like a, a gem of an idea here with the mm-hmm. Clouseau character this is the first kind of right let's see how this plays out with this guy in the entire movie it's kind of like what you get nowadays when there's like an snl character that gets their own spin-off movie like an ace ventura mm. um or like a mcgruber or you know these things where like we essentially get the 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 full well, can this entertain an audience for longer than that five minute skit that we get on our tv show and what I think that like this does I, this movie once again very successful. It was one of the highest grossing movies of the year. Uh, I think it was within the top twenty of the highest grossing movies of the year. And I think that's essentially testament to there is a working formula here. And guess what? This working formula only ever needs Peter Sellers and Blake Edwards putting Cluso in charge of our case, and we can spin up as many many of these as we want. And it's fine from there, which, like you see, like on paper, this should have just been, we should have been rolling another one in very short order. And ultimately, I'd like, there's a massive falling out between director and actor. Um, and yeah, we're, we're going to kind of have to, like, we're not going to get the, the follow up, like, straight away. It's not going to happen the way that we, we want it mm. to. So yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where it, I don't think this is the funniest installment either. I think we're still to get there, but that hilarity is going to be birthed out of much more ridiculous jokes. Um, so you, you're gonna you're gonna see things go in a direction where, like the longer sellers inhabit the role of Cluso, the more ridiculous this is going to get, um, and you're going to have to wait, what, about a decade before he reprises the role as Inspector Clouseau. Uh, instead, what you're going to get um, as our next movie is an attempt by the studio, which is coming off a very successful movie. They're like that. This is fucking gold. We're glad we gave you the money. When can we spin the next one in? And Blake Edwards is like, I don't want to do another one of these movies. And Peter Sellers is like, I don't want to do this role anymore. And they're like, fine. 
reboot. Uh, who yeah? Who needs you? And this is this we, yeah. This is this is. I mean, this has never backfired on Hollywood before. Uh, Bo, it, it always works when you just essentially replace the character with wait for it an American actor. Uh, mm-hmm. With a different, you know, we're just going to give a different director the reins, and we're going to kick this off. And inexplicably, Alan Arkin is the guy who's given the role, um, and we're going to get to it. But Inspector Clouseau is the next one. It comes out a couple of years later. It is a painful movie to watch. Um, I I am so curious about this movie, Duncan, because like from the director of Arthur Two on the Rocks comes a reinterpretation of well, this is the, this is the this thing. Yeah, like, um, if memory serves, like Arthur Two on the Rocks, it did like I'm sure Dudley Moore was offered the role of Cluso and turned it down more than once. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, he's he's not uh, like and Alan Arkin isn't the worst Cluso either there is a stint i'm sure in one of these movies where roger moore plays cluso and he is fucking awful because he is roger moore oh, playing wow. roger moore playing cluso uh so yeah the, like you're like you've got to strap yourselves in. i take you in a whirlwind of a tour here to these like and this is the first big blip this is a, like you don't get henry mancini doesn't do the score blake edwards isn't the director you know, Peter Sellers isn't the Cluso, but we have, you know, essentially MGM who have the rights to the character uh, and all the rest going, cool, let's, uh, let's, um, let's press ahead. And uh, that's where we'll, we will kind of pick things back up four years on in the future with a movie that doesn't even resemble uh, a, a movie that I am telling you right now will score very low on your last per hour. Um, because I just don't find it funny. I find it awkward. <laughs> just really, I yeah. I I can't wait to see. It's such it's such a bizarre idea to me. So I'm I'm excited to watch this one. So Inspector Clouseau next time up. Um, oh yeah. That I no matter how bad it is, and I can't imagine the conversation is going to be amazing because we are literally going to be all the way through this going like who who thought this was a good time? Why did he do this? Like it's just as a it's a head-scratching movie, but it'll be fun to discuss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, uh, everything about it just seems so... Uh, it seems like exactly what a studio yeah. would do when presented with the situation you yes. described. So uh, I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, in the meantime, Duncan, where can people find more out of you to hear about your love of Herbert Lom? <laughs> And weirdly, they've Elky Summers. Uh, uh, weirdly, they've already heard it on podcasts under the stairs in this here summer series. Uh, we put through uh, as the movie represent 1970, um, Mark of the Devil, uh, which uh, oh, well, Herbert Lom is incredibly terrifying. And uh, so, in his absence as playing um, his role of uh, uh, Commissioner Dreyfus, he appeared in that movie. So yeah, the summer series is in full effect on um, Podcast Under the Stairs. Will be until the end of September. We will then pick things up with uh, Bazaween for the whole of October. So you jump in there. Bo is mm. featured on that one. So Bo is about to come up. Um, actually, about the time this episode drops proper, uh, the, the four episodes will drop. So 74, 84, 94, and 2004 will drop that week. So yeah, tons of content out there on that. So that's Podcast Under the Stairs, wherever you listen to podcasts. Teapots Collective is rolling on very slowly because Summer Series always consumes all my time. So episodes are going out speedy- kind of periodically 
um, on that that channel. Everything though, easiest way to do it, tputtscast.com or whenever you listen to podcasts, either podcast under the stairs or Teaputs Collective. Couldn't be any easier, Bo. Could not be any easier. Uh, if you want to hear anything more out of me, uh, hop over to uh, legionpodcasts.com and you can find the other shows I do, which is uh, The Dark mm-hmm. Parade, which is uh, all things horror. Just did a recent review episode that was a lot of fun because it was a lot of recent watches or recent mm-hmm. films, you know, um, as well as the first novel to to be reviewed. And that's something that I've been nice. wanting to do. So getting, get, getting literary up in this piece. Um, and you can find that there, uh, dark parade for, for all of that stuff. Uh, there's Pixix movies, which we are in the middle of doing a, a series on the, uh, work of Michael Crichton. And, uh, by the time, well, when this drops, uh, it will be right around the corner from the release of an episode on the movie rising sun. Um, which is uh, weirdly rising sun on paper sounds amazing. And it, it's just weird, but it's Philip Kaufman directing Sean Connery. and oh, Wesley Snipes. I have a weird love for this movie and it's all Sean Connery. Yeah. Sean Connery is like, yeah. is so poorly cast, but he's like, he yes. is, he is having a fucking ball. Like Sean Connery walking yeah. around going that, you know, uh, <laughs> listen, Nakamoto. <laughs> you do not, you do not. Listen here, what's it, what's it called? Uh, what's the term? Kohai. Listen here, Kohai. I'm your yeah. shimpai, you're my Kohai. Listen Kohai. Um, like, all the way through, yeah. there was a scene, though, where Steve Buscemi's character, like, who plays this, like, sleazy reporter, like, yeah, yeah. like, what does that mean? Like, all people are created equal except the Japanese? Fuck off, you idiot. And he's like, he just gets so yeah. angry. But the way he says, like, fuck off, is how a Scotsman says fuck off. And that's the closest you'll get to... Like there's a like it's the like fuck all. I think Billy Connolly once had a skit, a, a very funny joke where he basically said, like that is it's the best phrase to sum up, like the Scottish accent of how angry Scottish people can get by two small words. So if you ever hear a, he was like it knows no boundaries. You don't need a translator. If you ever hear a Scotsman say, fuck off, you know, like off you fuck basically is what you do. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's an inexplicably bad movie with our, our buddy uh, Thingy Wise, uh, Ray Wise, Ray Wise, he yeah, Ray Wise in is it. in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's really fun but in such it. A, such and... a like, there's all oh, the scenes with prostitutes. I'd like, I'd like, yeah. it's like oh, I can't wait to hear you guys. Talk. <laughs> oh, listen, Kohai, we're in a bataku. Yes. That's where. That's where these Japanese businessmen keep all their American yeah, rules. Yeah, like, there's, there's a, oh my God. Like, even the bit where it's kind of alluded to that maybe, maybe Sean Connery's fine with his wife fucking around with other people. Yeah. Maybe? maybe? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's very <laughs> weird. Um, but yeah, so that movie, uh, speaking of, of, of Twin Peaks though, so Ray Wise pops up in this one. Our next episode is Runaway, oh, wow. which features Chris yeah, Mulkey, yeah, yeah. uh, in a, in a big supporting role. So, you know, keeping the Twin Peaks vibe oh, alive. Uh, so yeah, so the, uh, pick six movies, uh, we're having a lot of fun doing that stuff. And of course, uh, that could both come correct, which you're listening to right now. And uh, be sure you go over to Legion Podcasts on uh, YouTube where you can see the video version of this podcast and you can see our our shining, smiling You actually faces. physically see us crack each other up. 
which is half the joy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and when we're talking about Inspector Clouseau next time, you can see the hope fade from our <laughs> eyes. Uh, you know the, the thing. So you know the you thing like... about it is as well. The thing that I I, I kind of love about it is like the same year it was made. So the same year Inspector Clouseau was made. Um, Blake Edwards and Peter Sellers and Henry Mancini actually made a movie. Yeah, the Which party was fucking think, hilarious yeah. and did did very well. Um, so it's almost like MGM are like, we don't need you guys to make a Clouseau movie. Right. We can do it here. And they're like, oh, fine, we'll make our own movie then. Uh, which they duly did. And it became very successful and it's very, very, very funny. And then you look at what the studio did. And sometimes, Bo, I'm so, weird, weird how I'm going to say this. Sometimes the directors and artists involved know more about making movies and studios i don't know who huh. thought it? that seems strange um well i'm gonna i'm gonna do some research on that in uh in the next couple of weeks while we're uh preparing for the next episode yep. duncan the only thing left to do on this episode though is is to say uh have a have a good two weeks or whatever I'm totally losing the script now. And uh, uh, say goodnight. Uh, have a good two weeks, Duncan. Uh, I'm losing the script right now. Uh, say goodnight, Duncan. <laughs> yeah, that's probably as good as we can expect. Yeah.